Season's greetings from the Grimerica Show podcast. Gather around the fireplace. Help yourself to some hot cocoa with the little marshmallows in it. Maybe have a candy cane or two. And maybe some cookies. It's so warm and jolly. Merry Christmas Podcasting from the igloo Darren plays jingle bells on the didgeridoo And over there that's Graham crying tears of joy As he listens in on the little drummer boy I see you've acquainted yourself with T-Rod yeah, it's true, he puffs Christmas trees of medicinal. Wait a second, is that? Yeah, I think that's Sasquatch beneath the mistletoe. Get over here, Graham. Thank you for saving me and giving me a kiss. And it looks like Napoleon Doom is decorating the room with tinsels, ribbon, popcorn on strings, and poinsettias. They are in bloom. And you might ask, who's that in the green and red Lucia Libre mask? Why, of course, that's RPJ. It's so warm and jolly. Colin's already. Yeah, it's gonna be that kind of a year. Podcasting <laughs> from the igloo. Darren plays jingle bells on the didgeridoo. <laughs> over there, that's Graham crying tears of joy. As he listens in on the little drummer boy. Get a warm and fuzzy feeling if you donate to the Grind America show. So get in the spirit, reach down in your pocket and make it rain. Uh, I mean, uh, let us know, make it snow, let us know, let us know, make it snow. Donate to the show. Donate to the show. Donate to the show. It's so warm and jolly. All right. Well, you want to bring us in, Micah, as you do? Welcome, everybody. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Whatever it is you celebrate every year, once a year, a few friends get together with one thing in mind. Pour a drink, sit around, and have some informal chat about whatever. Welcome, one and all. It is the infamous evening of the Holiday Fandango. So join us, the Grimericans, the Graylians, and those guys who like to go cruising with steak as we indulge a little bit of holiday cheer. Fellas, Merry Christmas. How are you guys doing? Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas, Micah. And Danguish. Woo! Glad to be here. Yeah, as the theme song's playing right there, that wonderful new Grimerica Christmas jingle, by the way. It's awesome. <laughs> Thanks, yeah. Felix. Yeah, that's one say, on the only one that likes it. Come on, Felix. No. Man. Oh, it's beautiful. Our official. <laughs> your head for hours. <laughs> Felix I, is the man. Notice we're already getting calls, so the music's playing. Right. And, <laughs> and I'm getting calls, and I'm like, <laughs> burning in two places here all right so anybody who wants to call back in you can do that a little hey you know i thought we'd chat a little first before we put out the yeah. number apparently everybody's already got them but it's on the youtube page baby it's loud and clear right on there yeah i've been calling this for days so yeah we've got the number there if you're tuning in live on youtube and we'll put that out here on the stream here in a moment if you'd like to call in feel free to do so we'd like to hear from you but anyhow First and foremost, just raising our glasses, guys. So we've somehow managed to make it through another year. How did that happen? <laughs> well, I don't know. Just by Fast. having a lot of fun with it. <laughs> yeah, having a lot of fun, man. Uh, 
I think just the the community that we have here, I think that it makes uh, the world go around a lot easier, at least in my eyes. We've got our own little intellectual dark web, don't we? Yeah. Hmm? <laughs> we <laughs> well, I'm something. sure we'll be talking about that some. I want to be talking with you guys about fair use policies, about algorithms, AI, all kinds of crazy stuff. But, uh, you know, first and foremost, I owe Darren Grimes this call because Darren calls me several times a week and... And often I'm so busy, I either forget to get it back with him or I'm recording another podcast. So, anyway, Darren, what, what were you calling me about the other day? What did you want this time? I was just calling to, to uh, tell you that you, you gave me fucking herpes. <laughs> <laughs> herpes? Herpes. Oh. Yeah. A herpes. Classic Graham. I can't no, I was actually secret. calling you to, uh, well, we can't talk about it on the air. <laughs> That's right. Just keep we could if you some, want, some things. but yeah, well, maybe, maybe we will. But you know, one, one thing day. I do want to mention, by the way, see, I'm getting the little notifications now too. That, that's the funny thing about the digital age. You know, everybody always has so much going on in front of them with, with the devices. Usually this is why I miss phone calls. I, I leave my phone in another room just so that I don't get distracted and it's already happening. Oh yeah. You should see Darren while I'm fucking talking to him. On the show, I keep pointing at him because he's got his phone in his hand, not paying attention to me. It drives me nuts. <laughs> he that finally guy never admits he's fucking pointing Actually, at me. So here's the thing. I don't want to give away all Darren Grimes' secrets, but the funny thing is, is that there are two Darren Grimes, okay? There, there's the one that you hear on Grime America. And there's the one in the UK that's a very loudmouth Brexiter? <laughs> yeah, there is. <laughs> well, no, I mean, seriously. He'll call me on the phone, though, and it's like, man, i got to crunch some numbers with you, man. Here, i got a million ideas. I mean... There's there's the relaxed, chill Darren on the on the mic, and then if he gets me on the phone, it's like, like this business side of him that nobody else ever sees. And I'm like, dude, it's crazy. It's like you've got like two different partitions on your brain or something. But I love it. I mean, that's what I've always liked about it. It's usually probably it's phone. probably weed related. <laughs> is that what it is? Yeah, depends on oh, the strain. He's he's not as baked when he calls you, so he's you know a little more talkative. How dare you, for a guy <laughs> who guy, bitches about hate speech. That's like calling me a drunk. You can't do that. You guys are living up there in the great white north where, of course, the laws have changed a little bit as it relates to uh, the devil's lettuce, the jazz cabbage, the wacky weed. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so you guys have been having some fun up there this year, huh? Been a good year for Grimerica up north, huh? Uh, It's a step in the right direction, I guess. A (laughs) tiptoe. I guess you don't have to uh, worry about as much about going to jail unless you have concentrates or illegal weed or... Anything like that, but it's a, it's a step in the right direction. I'll say that. Well, but it'll be better when it gets more privatized, like the states, and there's less shitty weed, and they're out of, they run out of weed less. They run out of weed a lot. <laughs> it's funny you say the same thing. My friends down here all say, "Oh, it'll be better when we get more like Canada." You know, but mm. you got to remember, everybody always wants what they can't have. That's right. Well, just tell them to move to California. It's pretty close an illusion. Adam Loyal's lurking back there someplace, by the way. Why you got your mic muted? Are you watching Lost in the background there, Loyal? <laughs> <laughs> no, just trying not to bleed over. No, it was uh, Survivor. Good old dyslexic Micah Hanks or you know, dyslexic with words or concepts or something like that. Memes, actually. I think is what it is. Yeah. Yes, I am forgoing the season finale of Survivor for my friends here. And my the season finale here. of what? Survivor is that still a thing? Survivor is totally still, still a thing. thing. It's a guilty pleasure. What season is it on? I was fucking hating Survivor like, like 
37 or 38. Something. Wow. I was going to say, it seems like it's been fucking forever. I thought he was saying when he was watching it, that it was on like, you know, Netflix or something. He was watching, you know, reruns, but no, no, no. I mean, apparently he's keeping up with the latest of this ongoing <laughs> program, which I too am rather shocked to see that there are, well, that's, that's coming up on nearly three dozen seasons, I guess. Yeah. Yes. Well, what are the commercials like? Hey, what? what are the commercials like on Survivor season 37? I don't know. I, don't I haven't had cable for a long time, so I don't know. What... I just zone out. Interesting. Yeah. I want to get back to the legal weed thing. Uh, Indiana's just took it to the Senate. They're going to vote on recreational in Indiana. When? So that's, like, that's a good step. Uh, when are I they think voting? Um, I don't know. I got to look exactly. But they're uh, get out there, Indiana, grime Americans, and vote for legal weed, so Grim yes. State can quit well, bitching. Yeah, after, after Michigan, just yeah, exactly. After Michigan just went, you know, it's just going to be a, it's going to be a domino effect. They're all just going to go. Yeah, I think it's twenty percent of the. What's Trump going to do? Is he going to change it nationally? Do you think? I don't know, but I heard he just took the troops out of Syria, so that's a plus. Or he's working on it. Oh, it's got to be a, it's got to be a bad reason for that. Yeah, because yeah, about probably. to get fucking nuked. Boom. I mean, as with all things, there's kind of a double-edged sword. I want to come back to something really quickly, though. Um, you know, there was a, I believe, a referendum on. Well, actually, it was it was more it was a vote uh, amongst the city council in Atlanta to decriminalize marijuana. I think, which is again a step in the right direction, but not really toward full. I mean, it's toward legalization. It's not actual legalization, but it's, you know, it's something that we're still we're still seeing a lot more frequently in southern states where you might say it's. How do I want to put this? Uh, there's less of an inclination to move toward full legalization. So it's interesting to see in, in a major southern metropolitan area like that, the city council pretty much saying, yeah, we need to really move toward decriminalization and they actually voted on that. So that, I mean, even down here in my neck of the woods in the southeast, we've been seeing some of that this year. And of course, our good friend Randall Carlson lives down in that general area. And um, yeah, and uh, by the way, I got to go see him uh, uh, just, uh. A few, just a few months ago. Well, was it months ago? A couple of months ago now, I guess. October? Yeah. God, where's the seems, seems like a good uh, good segue to talk about CAC, Darren. What'd you yeah. think of him, Micah? How was it? <laughs> you know, it's always nice to um, see Randall. I mean, you know, in fact, I met Randall. The first time I met Randall was with you guys. We were all up in Minneapolis, Minnesota together. By the way, I did want to mention we've got callers coming in and everything. So here in just a moment. They can just fucking wait. <laughs> Tell him to wait. Well, I've already brought him on, but we'll we'll pop the audio up here in a second. So, caller, please wait on the line. And uh, but yeah, we we met Randall Carlson together up in Minneapolis a few years ago. And while I was shaking hands and being very formal, I think that you guys were like inviting him out to dinner. And I mean, you know, in true Grime America style, it's like, hey, let's go get some chow, you know. And um, he's a remarkably personable guy. And we all have, I guess, in different capacities, stayed in touch with him over the years. And the reason I went to go see him, though, was research-related because, you know, with the Seven Ages guys that I work with, this is my pals Jason Pentrail and James Waldo, uh, we wanted to go and talk geology with him, and we were going to be in the Atlanta area. And so I called him up and said, want to go have dinner? And he's like, oh, yeah. And, yeah, I mean, around 2.30 in the morning as we're on our way home. <laughs> yeah. And after four or five hours of talking with Randall, you know how it is. It's like the true download from the Mother Throne. So, Guys, I got to be honest with you though. The calls are coming through, so why don't we go ahead and go over to the phones because well, it's starting to pile up. Well, before we do that, before we do that, let's get back to why I called you the other day. I'm here, sir. Uh oh, hold on. Okay, I tell you what. 
we will really quickly. I've already brought her on here. Don't Aaron, you don't fucking play. point at me. <laughs> I won't point at you anymore, but we've already brought the young lady on. Okay, I'm sorry, dear. Are you there? Yes, you can hear me. We can hear you. Hi there. Who's calling? Yes, you. You can go fuck yourself and eat your mother's goddamn pussy. Really? Well, that's a weird name, then. Oh, oh, all right. First call's a prank. There we go. <laughs> that is great. Like <laughs> yes, he is. Anyway, well, at least they waited on the line to, to say that. You know? yeah. <laughs> I like you're it. You're brilliant. You're handsome. You're rich. <laughs> what was the number? If they do that, just dox their phone number. Well, okay, let's let's get back to CAC here. We'll get a couple hundred people to call them back. <laughs> Start doxing numbers, prank callers. You're so, right. yeah, so I was calling you to find out if you're fucking coming to CAC or not. Because you said you were going to try and swing by one of the weekends and hang out with us and Randall when we're down in Colorado. What is this CAC thing you're talking about? Contact at the cabin, and it's it's now it's in uh, it's in Colorado with Rand Randall's coming for ten days, and we're going to be uh, hosting kind of like a like a, a conference a, slash tour meet, meet slash up, meet kinda, and greet yeah. slash fireside chat slash party. So you guys are doing an event in Colorado with Randall Carlson? For 10 days, yeah. We're doing three events, actually. We're doing one from the 17th to the 20th, one from the 20th to the 23rd, and one from the 23rd to the 27th. Is that wow. the same go fuck yourself number? <laughs> you know, I can I can tell you in a second, but uh, I, I'm really interested in hearing more about this this contact in the... In the, at, what, the what is it? at the cabin? Contact. Contact at the cabin. At the cabin. So basically we got... Our third annual... Yeah, it's a third annual. We decided to try it instead of instead of just doing a hangout. We decided to turn it into a conference. Randall wanted to do something as well. We've had a couple other past guests express some interest in collaborating on some stuff. Um, so uh, Randall had some places he wanted to look at at Colorado. He was hoping to get to in the next couple of years, and I said, "Well, maybe we could work it out that we could get you there for free, and you you let a bunch of fucking great Americans tag along on your research." And he agreed, so we came up with something that works. We found a uh, multi-million dollar cabin slash estate on 122 acres, private acres. You bought it, right? Let me guess, you bought it. We bought it cash. Yeah, you shouldn't really talk about the you know the price of it. It sounds expensive. It's just well, it's a on the Airbnb. It's, it's an Airbnb. It's Airbnb. Yeah, it's expensive. Yeah, I'm trying to sell this thing. I don't want to say you. I don't want to say it's a cabin. We want to get 30 out to this fucking cabin, and we're going to charge you 700 bucks to sleep on each other's laps. No, it's a 122-acre private estate. We got it on Airbnb, and it is expensive. We could never afford it. So that's why we have to charge money for the tickets because I think the Airbnb rate, it's, it's like somewhere between twenty and $15,000 for the Airbnb for the 10 days. But So the price of the ticket includes your stay. Randall's staying at the house. Uh, Graham and I will be there and a bunch of cool people. Uh, the last weekend, I think, is almost full. So there's some house spots. There's some camping spots. All sorts of fun stuff like that. We got some past guests showing up. Renee and Tamara are going to come. And then Mike had even said he might swing by. Who did? What? Micah Skanks. <laughs> He's your porn double. Well, this this does sound like a lot of fun. Thanks for the details there. Um, yeah, I mean, it sounds like the kind of party you don't want to miss. Especially, I mean, honestly, the truth is, like I said, I love getting out in the field with uh, Randall and doing research. Um, I was looking at a, because again, Randall is a unique character. We all met him after I think he had done a few of his appearances on the Joe Rogan experience. And you will notice in a lot of roundups online where people do the top 10 best guests or best episodes of Joe's podcast, 
I mean, a lot of the time Randall makes those roundups and he is again, somebody who, I mean, I think what I really respect about him is he appears to be, although I think he has some formal education. We've talked a good bit about that, but he is primarily self-taught in the areas of science that he focuses on. So he's an autodidact, which really, I mean, that's how I am. I'm a person who uh, is self-taught, but I work with a lot of academics and I ask them questions and I try to learn from them. And, you know, Randall and I, I guess, kind of have that similar outlook on things, which I think is great because if you challenge yourself to think outside of certain paradigms, but to do so scientifically, that's, I think, where you find new discoveries. And that's why I think Randall has been so successful with what he does and why I really enjoy working with him. And if I have an opportunity to be out in the field, so to speak, and be doing some traveling with him, in fact, that's one of the last things he said to me is, we should do that. We should do some trips. <laughs> so maybe I'll have to tag along with him. That sounds like a lot of fun up there at the cabin. Guys. Awesome. And then maybe we can get the cruising with state guys there too. There's still not, uh, still some faint well, hope, free and hope for those guys. I think, <laughs> I think right Grim's take is like bad. Well, if I'm going to go, then you guys got to go. <laughs> exactly. I can go. Mike is coming too. You guys got to, yeah, as long as James flips the bill, we'll be good to go. There you go. You guys can share a tent. Actually, you guys <laughs> yeah, can share a queen. Yeah. What's that secret? I mean, you know, Darren and, and Graham both know. I mean, I love both you guys, and I've known I've known Darren and Graham, Darren and Graham, Darren and Graham, Graham, Graham America, <laughs> Graham America. Yeah, I've I've known uh, I've known the Graham America boys since before there was a Graham America, actually. And uh, I remember when you guys would email me years ago when we finally got to meet in Minneapolis, but, uh, you know, it's, it's been a long friendship. And one thing I'm really happy to see is you guys continuing to kick ass and grow and, and do your thing every year. Uh, but you know, stepping over into doing events and things like this is super awesome too, because I mean, again, it's just a, a further indication. I'm, I'm the kind of person who I love seeing my friends succeed. I mean, it may sound cheesy, but I mean, I love it. I love the shit. I want to support. Oh, we're all here because of you, Micah. I mean, yeah. no joke. <laughs> yeah. We met Adam back then too. Yeah. Is this this is the house that the Graylian built. This is my legacy. <laughs> well, but no, I mean, so truly, sorry. I I'm think I can do these that guys too. doing great. That's all I'm saying. So, so it, I'd be pleased to punch the to be up there and join it. Yeah. Well, speaking of going great, I mean, you're going so great. You got defunded from YouTube. Maybe we should get into that. I mean, that's uh, <laughs> that's a big concern, yeah. and it should be a topic that we discuss here a year later when that wasn't even really a fucking risk, right? You got the deep yeah. state stamp of approval well you know what's interesting is yeah it is i guess a thing that's been ongoing for a while and i remember darren saying to me during the last fandango i think we tried to play an audio soundbite or something and he says watch out you'll get flagged now i'm not somebody who likes to go let me give a quick setup for this because yes as you alluded graham i i got what demonetized on youtube recently now a lot of people are like oh god what you know but the thing is is when that happens they tell you look we reviewed your account here's what happened remove the offending video, reapply in 30 days, no big whoop, right? And that's what I'll do. If anything, it's been a positive thing because I'll probably rethink how I'm doing YouTube in the sense that a lot of what I was putting up on YouTube were just my podcasts. And there are a lot of problems with that. For instance, we have a mutual, wonderful friend over in the UK, Beth Arzy, and I've used her as an example, bless her, on a few occasions because she is a marvelous musician. And she some time ago sent me a bunch of her albums and said, you know, you are free to play any of this if you ever would like to on the radio uh, or on your shows, you know? And uh, so I listened to the CDs and I'm like, well, hell, this is amazing music. Of course we're going to play this. So we would use some of it as comebacks and I would always get permission from artists, but this is where the, the mystery of the algorithm comes into play. 
with YouTube, of course, you know, they can't have people who are scanning every channel. They do have moderators and people who serve as arbiters, you know, of what, what's going up and if there are complaints and things sometimes that will review these videos in question. But for the most part, they do have to rely on algorithms to tell when people are double using content or somebody's playing somebody else's, you know, copyright protected material. So the case with music like that is that if you have permission and it's BMI or ASCAP protected music, you can, if you if your video gets flagged, if, if you can provide written proof and, and show that you have permission to play said material, I mean, you can actually do that on YouTube. There are a lot of different ways that you can do it. The problem is, is on a case-for-case basis, every time a video gets flagged, having to go through that appeal process, which may take days, sometimes takes weeks or months, it can be pretty uh, laborious. And so unfortunately, what it pushed me toward was the other alternative, which is don't play music, even if you have permission, written or otherwise, that is BMI or ASCAP protected. So I had to kind of explain to a lot of my friends, I love this music. I know you guys, you know, gave me permission to play it. We can't really do that. Um, That was the problem. Some of the content from old podcasts on the YouTube account recently during this review kept popping up and it was flagged by BMI and ASCAP for removal. But they well, automatically they demonetize you, though? Like, isn't there a period where you can actually just correspond with them? You go can back go, into the, you can go into the video now, and it'll actually automatically take out the infraction. Well, usually it will. And that's the thing is that if, if that happened, and that did happen on a case-for-case basis in the past, and they'll send you a note, it'll say, what should you do right now? And they'll say, you don't really have to take any action. This, you know, Again, this video was flagged for removal either because somebody made a request or one of the algorithms caught it. You know, you don't have to take any action. You just can't run ads on this video. So that happened on a few videos. But then all of a sudden, they get this other email the other day saying, okay, on further review, we are demonetizing your whole channel. So oh. some people, yeah. So some people were like, are you going to appeal? And I was like, well, actually, what I plan to do is just take down a lot of those videos and then just reapply in 30 days because I've been meaning to get more active on YouTube anyway. But here's the interesting question all that is just the setup. I wanted to try and understand fair use because the other side of this coin is that. Even if you don't have permission in some instances, if you're playing like an audio soundbite, for instance, in certain circumstances, it can constitute what's called fair use. And going all the way back to my days in radio, I mean, we had to take what was called RBI, Responsible Broadcast Initiative Training, where we learned the do's and the don'ts of radio. And you always want to proceed with caution. So I usually try to, but I think about all the great podcasts, No Agenda, you know, and all the other wonderful programs that we all listen to. I mean, a mainstay of their format is audio sound bites and the principle of the fair use idea, the legal definition of fair use, which, by the way, again, that's the problem. You'd think if it's a, a, you know, something that law applies to, there would be an explicit you know, definition of you can use this much of this or you can use that much of that. Everybody seems to have a different interpretation of what fair use is. Steve, I'm sorry, you want to jump in there? No. Oh, no. I but that's the thing is that there doesn't seem to be any consistent definition. So I wanted to see what YouTube meant because I was, again, I have played a lot of audio sound bites on my programs too. And I was sure that that probably constituted some of the, the, the flaggings that I got. Lo and behold, YouTube isn't sitting there saying, don't use other people's stuff. They said, look, we'll give you examples of fair use. And actually the three videos that they used one they said was remix purposes like what i do with montages on the middle theory podcast where we take short sound bites and create a new meaning that has relevance to a politics or an economics you know issue or something we're discussing so that was one another one was they said commentary on news reporting that's another thing and that's something that also the no agenda guys do i know and then the third one was like 
if you're doing a critical review and the example they give is a guy who's showing clips from a video game and he's doing like he's critiquing it. And I'm thinking well, all three of those seem really to apply. And YouTube further says in their guidelines, they said, listen, sometimes when people write to us and they go, look, our content appeared on this video and we want it taken down. They say they will reply to the content provider and say, we think in this instance, this is fair use. And we actually would ask you to reconsider your request to have it removed. So YouTube, in a lot of instances, seems to actually be wanting to ensure people's right to fair use. But once again, there's that problem with what constitutes fair use, especially in, the, in an age of algorithms as we live in now. So let me get this straight. The second one is you cannot comment no on way fake news, for example. So did you get busted for that second one then? Uh, I, I don't know if that was it specifically, Graham, but no, I mean, actually what they were saying. Well, they, they said news commentary, but I mean. These weren't things they said you can't do, though. That's the whole thing. These were the things that YouTube was saying should that actually constitute. Yeah, you can do. I mean, a, the an thing, example they give, for instance, those are the things a, that he read out of their thing that said. Was I know, okay. but he, but he's saying that he, he thinks that all three of those could have applied to him. Well, so wrong, you can't though. even comment on newscasts. Then I mean, this is like the whole no agenda show. The whole premise of a, even like middle theory. What you're trying to do is deconstruct some of this. So they're just exactly. disallowing that. I mean. Well, you were just demonetized. You weren't like kicked off YouTube, correct? Correct. I didn't get banned. All they did, they, they said, you know, you can't play ads. But the thing is, is that not every one of my shows features audio sound bites or music or something like right. that, you know? And that's the whole thing is, my question is, why does your whole account get demonetized if you are trying to adhere to fair use and a few videos according to either another content, you know, provider's determination, i.e. that sounds like something of mine and I want it off there. Or YouTube saying, oh, okay, we spotted something. One of our algorithms flagged this video. Why does your whole channel get demonetized? You know, so Because they don't want people commenting on fake news. I mean, how can you not get conspiratorial on that? Yeah. I mean, this is like a shutdown of partially of what people do. Oh, like, say a thing like the shooting in Vegas and it's going live, you can shut people down. So it's not just for a minute. It's not just for a post. You get to shut them down for 30 days, cool off, get forgotten. But the good news is no agenda guys have circumvented that completely. They run their own servers, no advertising, anything like no, they that. They run their own podcast. And yeah, that, that exactly. So it doesn't really matter. They're sticking to the fair use. Nobody's fighting the algorithm. No, but it, it does matter because this is people that are on YouTube that can't, you know, can potentially get demonetized or kicked off because they're commenting on like, let's say fake news. If you're deconstructing the, you know, the news and I mean, that's just ridiculous. Well, you no, know, it's I mean, hard argument to argue against the, I mean, I don't think it's YouTube ultimately that's making that decision at the end of the day. Maybe it is. I'm not saying it's not, but it's quite possible that it's Google advertisers. Google? Advertisers. We don't want our ads on this type of content. So at the end of the day, you know, what if Grimerica wanted to run ads? But do you think that we should have the control? And I'm not saying that we would run ads, but say we wanted to run some ads. Should we have control over what content our ads are played in? You know, that's always the trick. And this is the whole reason that, again, the whole value for value model comes into play. I've heard Curry and Dvorak say so many times, the reason we do a listener-funded program is so that we will never be beholden to what advertisers want. Yeah. And, I mean, I could use mainstream news. I mean, again, I'm not trying to go all in conspiracy, everything you say. No, I, I am. <laughs> well, <laughs> oh, yeah, and maybe that's good because because then we have the you know the different sides. So actually, I'm I'm gonna play 
the guy who's not all in on the conspiracy tonight. But that makes it all the more interesting because if you look at mainstream media, I mean, again, you're going to get some good information there. Well, I don't know. That's even a stretch for me. But <laughs> Hey, man, when you need to um, know about boner pills, just put on your uh, local uh, you you just know, made, nightly cable news channel. James, you just made my point for me. It's like yeah. you never hear the issues. I mean, I've seen Time Magazine report on the issues with Big Pharma, but you never see that reported on the nightly news when they're playing every commercial break, a very loud commercial. Oh, yeah. You know, this will keep you awake. This will get you up. This will make you want to gamble. This one may make you want to kill yourself, but, you know, talk to your doctor. <laughs> Call the suicide you hotline. You. And, yes. and let's okay. forget the reporting that we are having national suicide rates that are yeah. you know, <laughs> of, of record highs. I wonder if there's a correlation. Here's the problem. Again, you can't necessarily, I mean, in, in science, correlation does not necessarily mean causation. I get it. But on what a lot of the, on a lot of these, but on a lot of these medications, that's the thing is that that is one of the symptoms, you know, suicidal tendencies is often mentioned in the fine print. And so is it unfair to ask that question if the companies themselves have to put that information on their product? Hell no. Yeah. That's well, also when there's uh when there's like a mass shooting or something they they rarely even talk about mental health or anything like that like they just the, they they don't bring up the the pharmaceutical companies at all. It's terrifying to think you can have proven side effects that somebody would kill themselves, be out of their mind, not thinking properly, and to think it would only stop with them. And yeah, yeah when it gets pulled into gun debate and you know what's happening with society, it it gets scary, especially when you look at the efficacy on some of the SSRIs being that of placebo or lower, you got to ask questions. I don't think it's wrong to ask those questions. And that's the whole thing. But when you, so coming back to the sponsorship side of this though, like you pointed out, Steve or Graham, I should say, I should use your real name. <laughs> my real name. Pull his mask off. Minister of mugs, but uh, <laughs> uh, there you go. Yeah. But, uh, but the thing is, is that, you're not going to see, and this is the problem I think we have, there seems to be disproportionate amounts of treatment of certain subjects in the media in relation to things like, well, we shouldn't talk about that subject because one of our big sponsors happens to be you yeah. know, directly or indirectly related to that, and they may either find it offensive or it may they may perceive it as being negatively you know, geared toward or, or, or it may uh, you know, uh, be inappropriate for a broadcast which features them as a advertiser because people may be dissuaded from wanting to use said product. So, or it could be the political views of the people that are uh, making those decisions and they're running it. I mean, it's really cool. coming down to that. And then they, everybody wants to ignore that fact that Google and Facebook and all this have put way more disinformation in, in about, you know, <clears throat> about the other side than the Russian hackers have about Trump. I mean, it's, it's just, it's a complete fucking. Well, you know, what you know what's, What's funny about the whole Facebook thing, Graham, is that, you know, people could say, <laughs> you shouldn't go around being a conspiracy theorist and say that everything you see on social media is somebody trying to make you think this or make you think that. But what are they now saying this year? Oh, yeah, we just know now who it was. It was Russia doing it all along. But, yeah, everything on social media was bullshit, and they were trying to make you think this or that. I mean, so mm -hmm. at some point we have to go, okay, look, whatever the medium whether it's social media, which is supposed to be more organic, you know, relationships and interactions, people to people, or if it's the media, traditional standard media, you know, we're going to sit there with a talking head and tell you what we think. And it's a one-way conversation. I mean, all of these, all of these mediums, I think in this digital age have become a lot more suspect because we have a much big, better perspective of what's going on. 
and the ways that the message can become compromised. And it's funny because in some ways, it's almost like it's a justification for the extremely critically minded person who's skeptical of everything. Because, I mean, even again, the organic interactions on social media that are supposed to be, I mean, there might be a lot of trolling, but it's supposed to be a person to person interaction. You can't even believe those half the time. It's a damn bot. You know, I mean, I don't know. It's, it's very hard to understand sometimes because it almost seems like there's this lattice that's being overlain over reality where there's the real world where we go and we meet a friend for coffee or have a beer after work. And then there's this whole like shit show of this media, this, this web of weird between yeah. the social media and the mainstream media and everything. And, and it's this complete like illusion of reality that has almost no bearing on what actual life is about, what, what it means to go have that drink with somebody after work. You know what I mean? I mean, we are so reliant on it though. And that's really concerning. But it's yeah. nice to see the curtains actually getting pulled back. You see that with people distrusting the media. And then you see people like Joe Rogan running a podcast creating his own studio, and he has more viewers than CNN, MSNBC, you know, all the major broadcasters combined. Right. So as much as the power controls want to lock their, their thing, you know, their, their fingers in, unless you can control all the Joe Rogans and all the people that are going to gather that steam, then you, it's a much harder system to control because now you have to get on top of the whole social media game, and I'm sure they're trying. They're but trying. There's hope because, you know, we all know about it. You know, there's conspiracy theorists. It's a thing. It's a left and a right type thing. So it's coming out where we're even talking about this kind of stuff where, you know, 20 years ago with Kennedy, you wouldn't be having that same discussion. You know, Right. I'm glad you bring up Joe, by the way, because, again, not only do you have this unfiltered. I mean, look, Tucker can run ads on his show, but he doesn't let that get in the way of the content he produces in any way. I mean, I have so much respect for Joe. And again, Coming back to our pal Randall, guys, everything that anyone who I've ever spoken to who's been on Joe's show, they all say the same thing. They're like, dude, he is just like us sitting here having this conversation right now. He is as real as they come, you know, and that comes across on the microphone. But he, here, here's the difference, though. There's that real human being sitting there drinking whiskey or smoking some weed with Elon Musk or with Graham Hancock or with Sam Harris or with Jordan Peterson I mean, now that to me is the way of the future, guys. And they don't—they don't sit there and have a soundbite, bullshit, thirty-second dialogue. It's three hours of and nobody's posting inspirational clips by Anderson Cooper. No, <laughs> they try to. They try to, but I mean, it doesn't have the same effect as the thing, you know. No. And the other thing too is. Guys, um, who, who was the, the uh, Graham? I think it was something that you said about you know how the political attitudes can affect it as much as the influence of a corporate sponsorship. Well, with Joe Rogan, again, it's not I'm going to sit down and only talk to people on the political right or only talk to people on the political left. If anything, based on and I actually do study this because being Mr. Middle Theory, I try to be politically centrist and I will take a left leaning or a right leaning attitude on different issues. But but primarily, I try to be undogmatic and unpolarized in my way of thinking about things. But I'm going to tell you something. I look at guys like Joe, and if anything, what I what I get is that he seems to be a little left of center, but people attack him because he's so willing to have more right-wing guests, although I would actually debate, uh, like when they call Jordan Peterson right-wing, you know, it's, it's sad how the, these days that politically charged label of, well, you're right-wing has become a way to weaponize an argument against somebody. Time and time again, Jordan Peterson refers himself uh, to himself as a classical British liberal. 
But that's beside the point. Joe doesn't go to people on one side or the other just to have them on his show so that they can agree with him. He gets people on every end of the spectrum and every point in between, which, again, is something that you're not going to see on the mainstream media networks. Every one of them has, even the ones that claim to be centrist, a political bias. It's not It's not so much the political stuff that bugs me about Joe. It's the other stuff that he, he would, you know, he has people like Randall on and he has people like uh, Graham Hancock on. And he, and he, but he'll, he'll take the Bigfoot subject or UFOs or even, uh, I had a couple of funny things to say, but I don't know if I should say them, but, Sam. but he, he, Spit that whether shit it's out. women's, whether like, no, whether it's uh global warming, women squirting. I mean, there's all kinds of things that he just ignores chiropractic <laughs> evidence. Like he, he just ignores evidence of all kinds of things. I mean, and there's just a bunch of things that he just won't address. I mean, did you say? Did you say global warming, women skir- squirting? Like yeah, those are, two, that- those are topics that like he's he's talked to Randall and he knows what glo- uh, you know some stuff about global warming. But when people come on, he won't challenge them on that. Like he'll just let let them and he'll well, buy into he the left, whole global warming. When was he thing. left unchallenged on squirting? With Chris Ryan, probably yeah, way back. Uh, I mean, I don't know. It's come up a couple uh, times, and he doesn't. He just he doesn't. He doesn't admit that that Chris Ryan the a possibility. Communist? Well, I, I remember when uh, Candace Owens was on just not too long ago. Like That's he argued with problem. her for yeah. like twenty minutes about uh, global warming. Yeah, and she's like he was like, no. He's like, this is this is true. Like, why why are you denying it? All this stuff. And, yeah, that was. And he does the same about UFOs and Sasquatch, and just makes fun of those people. Like now he's categorized all these people that have witnessed something strange into this fucking crazy box, and I, I that's I don't like that. Yeah, I, I'm actually with you on that, Graham. Now, I'll, I'll say this. Maybe I'm the outlier here, but again, I, I do a lot of research in the sciences. and I, even I, I even have academic friends who don't agree with me on this, but I actually do acknowledge anthropogenic climate change. I'm not a global. But see, that's the whole thing is I understand that there are a lot of different factors that can affect the climate. And here's one reason I have that perspective on things, because I don't deny that humans are affecting the, the climate right now. And Randall and I've talked no, about either this. No, do I, either do I. And neither does, I yeah, mean, yeah. most okay. most people that talk about denying that don't deny that we're having an effect. Right, right. Well, yeah, Randall even said, Randall said one time, he says, it's so silly, this idea of climate deniers. He says, I'm not denying the climate. I can look outside and see the climate every day. And he says, and I certainly don't deny that humans have an effect exactly. on it. Exactly. What's interesting about that, and that's a, I don't know if I really want to get into that subject, but I'll just make a quick point about it because it's something that Randall and I both look at, of course, has to do with the younger dryness. And this is the model for uh, abrupt climate change in the ancient past. I think, unfortunately, a lot of modern climate scientists are concerned about discussion as it relates to that because they feel somehow, and I can sympathize with their concern, but I think it's misguided because they appear to think that if we can explain some instance of rapid, sudden climate change in the ancient past as not having anything to do with anthropogenic or human causes underlying it, therefore we open the debate to something like that occurring in modern times, which I think is and you know antithetical to the whole climate change debate because the big difference is now nowadays we've gone through two industrial revolutions and we can clearly see that humans can have an impact on the environment. Yeah, And that also there is some science that shows that the difference is that to say it could happen apart from human action does not mean that it always happens apart from human action. And so what Randall and I have often said is, I think people, they seem to be extremist in the sense that they can't have it. Well, okay, in some instances, climate could change like this. In some instances, people could call it. There are two camps where it's like it's either all humans or it's all natural. 
And that seems to always be the problem with science to me is that people, they have one theory and they can't. They no, can't no, no, no. It's not the camp that they're in. It's people accusing them for being in that camp. It's the labeling and the generalization of these people. Most of the people that I listen to on the side of denying and denying, they don't, I don't even, I'm going to do it now myself by labeling it, but denying the anthropogenic global warming, right? They're not saying that we're not having an impact. I haven't heard anybody on that side say that we haven't had an impact and they're, none of them are for pollution and all of them are for cleaning up the environment. From, from, from what I can, the people that are like, yeah, fuck. They're, yeah, but they're all getting labeled in that. So the polarization is half the time. It's a, it's a, it's a misconstrued label. That's it's not. The, uh, that's a really good point, Graham. Because yeah, I'm sorry, I'm doing the pointing thing again. <laughs> no, you can point at me anytime, dude. I don't know. I mean, but, that. but you know, you make a good point. And actually, I want to steer it back over to the UFO subject because I think it's an even better one. And since we were talking about Joe Rogan, you're, you're right. He does seem to take a much more dismissive attitude toward those subjects. Um, now, look, there's a part of me, and I'm UFO sure talk more or about UFO or Say what? I said UFO or UFO. Ah, no, gosh. No, we'll have none of that. But no, I mean, <laughs> demonetized. The, yeah. But I mean, the, the thing is, though, is that truly the, the UFO uh, situation to me, more and more as time goes on, I look at the, um, the Pentagon, the so called Pentagon UFO program. I'm, I'm not trying to say that there's nothing there, but I mean, I've become more skeptical of what they were actually able to achieve what they were really looking at. If anything, it seems like there was not a whole lot of money, $22 million. That's a yeah, fly on the yeah. ass of the world. And that seems to have been used basically to pay Bob Bigelow, who's been investigating this stuff on his own dime for a long time. And then he was outsourcing that to move on. So, I mean, again, we have a government study, which is actually just a continuation of a bunch of the same bullshit that we've seen for decades. And actually, yeah, I'm very skeptical of the idea of a government UFO study. Why do I bring that up here? Because I still think that the minority of cases that are of interest could represent a national security situation that we should be taking seriously. And so, yeah, you're right. If you try to have that conversation with somebody and say, look, guys, I'm not like a crazy aliens or, you know, probing everybody person, but shouldn't we look at this if there's on that outside chance that there's an actual situation we should be looking at here? And you say that and people immediately go, you think aliens are abducting everybody? And it's like, Graham, it's like, Hell no, I never said that. Yeah, I just, look, I Graham think... doesn't I think, think aliens are abducting everyone. He just thinks he can talk to them with his mind. We, we affect the climate. Yeah, we, we might affect it a bit. We should be cleaning up our pollution, cleaning up the environment, 100%. But I don't want to be taxed for it based on some model that's not going to work and based on some, you know, pie-in-the-sky number that we're supposed to get to. Like, it's just, you know, it's it's not... Uh, it's it's It really well, smacks what, more of global the, the next global control mechanism that they want to install, and it's... Look what's going on in uh, what what happened in Paris. You know they tried overtaxing for that stuff. It's like people aren't going to deal with that shit. Well, that's what makes me so angry about all of this. Is they put the focus on carbon dioxide. They're not putting it on the pollution, all the chemicals, all the things going into the water, everything you flush down your drain, all the stuff that we produce, put in our foods, get flushed through our bodies. We spray on our lawns. Every I mean, gosh, the other day I was in my um, house doing some editing. I had my windows open and my glands started hurting. The guy's spraying my neighbor's yard, the her grass, so I had to run shut all my windows. Like all of that is just permeating our environment, everything we throw into a landfill. That's the things that we need to be focusing on. So when you put all of it on, you know, the amount of carbon dioxide that we're putting into the air, which when you compare it to other natural causes and things, you go, okay, all things considered, what are we really doing? You know, and, and that's why it makes me so angry. There needs to be a holistic approach to, I mean, just conscious environmentalism. Is the whole mm-hmm. thing. 
But see, notice, wow, we sound like a bunch of fringe crazies saying we need to be aware of what we're doing to the environment. We need to be recycling. Wow, we need to be aware of the pesticides that go into our food and on our, our lawns. You know, we need to really be aware of the fact that, oh, yeah, humans are changing the climate, but that we shouldn't be name calling when we're having, you know, discussions about these things. And if anything, guys, the consensus here seems to be we all need to be better environmentalists and do more of it. Exactly. Oh, wow, what a crazy conspiratorial idea. Fuck. <laughs> wow. I'll teach you. So there seems to be a real problem, in other words, that, again, these days, and I've had this shit happen to me, and I know you guys have too, it's like people make up their mind what they think you think before they've even heard what you have to say about it. Where's the actual dialogue? See, that's why we have a Fandango, guys. Ladies and gentlemen, if you'd like to talk with us, dial us at 828-398-4886. That number again, 828-398-4886. Seriously, if you want to call in, if not, we'll fuck you. But no, I mean that's why I love talking with you guys, though, because you know we do have inspired debates, and you know it's not even a debate; it's more like a, wow, what the fuck is going on with this world right now? When did people become so damn polarized? Yeah, I mean, I finally, I I finally had it happen. You know, you always hear people saying like, uh, like you hear stories. You might even have family members that. I've had it happen where you uh, get in arguments via left and right topics. But like you just said, Michael, when you bring in the fact that like that argument or that, that conversation never even got started because there was no, there's no dialogue they even had. It's like, Oh, you didn't like Obama, you know, Obama or something, you know, that topic could get brought up and um, everything related to it. Like you, you, and me personally, I would be like, yeah, I don't, might not be that into that topic or something, but at the same time, you would just get thrashed over it and everything you thought was before you even started the dialogue. I just, I don't get it. Hard for there not to be a left and the right sometimes when if you have President, you know, Bush pass away and there's a week long of Dude. just nothing but congratulating him on the wonderful things in his life. That if you even speak of the terrible things that he was involved with. That I, there's there's no way not to have a left and a right when that is being pushed forward so hard in mainstream media. It, it's very pushed, yeah. It, well, and in, that's probably by design. theory. <laughs> I'm telling you though, uh, Bush is an interesting character. That's a really interesting one. Um, Herbert Walker, George Herbert Walker Bush. George yeah. Herbert or just Herbert? George uh, Herbert Walker Bush. Talking about the Bushes right now. Yeah. You're, no, you're talking about not just Herbert. You're talking about just W. What? I was talking about Herbert. Bush. You're talking about actual Herbert Walker? <laughs> Isn't that the dad that just died? Yeah, the dad who just died, George Herbert Walker Bush. and then His, his name was George, George too? I didn't yeah, know his oh name God. was George. <laughs> oh, man. I, oh, yeah, I did. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I did. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Herbert. Okay, you're Canadian. You get a pass. That's I was going right. to say you're Canadian if you didn't know that, but well, yeah, he's an interesting cat because actually, I did some research into this recently. Um, you know, there was that anecdote that we've been hearing for years, where Jimmy Carter said that when Bush was CIA director, he'd ask him about UFOs and that he wouldn't give him the information. He said, "Mr. President, you don't have you don't have the need to know for that information." Um, again, George Herbert Walker Bush, as CIA director at the time, told him that. But digging a little deeper, interestingly. I found out that Carter had been briefed by Bush several times, but the day of the inauguration, George Herbert Walker Bush 
tendered his resignation and it was accepted by the new incoming president. Yeah. So I thought, okay, well, then he must have been briefed prior to the inauguration when he was president-elect. But lo and behold, I, I did some dig, uh, digging around. I went actually to CIA.gov, and there's this article on, on the website there. Carter was the first pre, uh, presidential hopeful, and a Democrat no less at the time, who prior to even uh, accepting his party's nomination, asked if he could be debriefed by the CIA because he thought it would give him a national security advantage against his opponent. And so they agreed, and Bush and apparently eight or ten other CIA agents actually went to Carter's home, and they briefed him before he even won the debates and accepted the nomination from the Democratic National Party. So interestingly, there was at least one briefing from Bush when he became president-elect, but to me it seems that if that question about UFOs had not been asked by Carter at that time, it would have happened before he was actually president, in which case... Yeah, you're damn right. He wouldn't have had a need to know. So recently, something I've been trying to find out is whether or not he asked about the UFOs prior to actually being elected president. That's the part that nobody ever talks about. I'm still amazed that on the CIA's own website, they have on there them helping one candidate try to win over the other. Which one? Which election? This one you were just talking about. If they're trying to give guy, oh. you know, it's like, hey, we're helping out. That like, <laughs> I mean. <laughs> But we're not doing and then and then for Bush to to resign right on the inauguration day that's pretty interesting too. What's really funny is you know the Washington Post now if you want a good example of state controlled media in my opinion I don't know if you'd say state controlled but I would just say horribly slanted media Washington control. Well doesn't doesn't Bezos own uh, the Wapo? Yeah he does and again the Bezos why, owns the like, Wapo and his, boards. he owns right yeah. Six hundred million dollars CIA contracts. You know the twenty-five thousand person facility right outside of the CIA headquarters. Yeah. I mean that's absolutely true, and so yeah, it's concerning because people like to make fodder of conspiracy theories and things like that. But that's simply fact. You know the connections between Bezos and Amazon, and then the CIA. The actual connection uh, had to do not only with the fact that he had uh, well, and coming back to the Washington Post, that he owns the Washington Post, but that Amazon had provided some services on the server side for some CIA uh, projects, as I understand it, which actually you can read about and the WashPo may have even reported on, although that's unlikely. But um, but it, it, there are verifiable news sources, if you want to call them that, that you know have reported on this. And again, I'm, I, you know me, guys, I'm not trying to be Mr. Conspiracy all the time. I'm actually just the opposite of that. But I think when there's a real connection to be made and real questions to be asked, they should be asked. Washington Post reporting on George Herbert Walker Bush going and talking to Jimmy, Jimmy Carter referred to, and it was an op-ed, but one of their columnists writing this op-ed piece was saying that Bush went down there and essentially begged for his job. Well, according to the CIA's website, they had a different perspective. They said he had talked with Carter about staying on as director of intelligence. Carter apparently didn't like the idea, and that's why he kind of resigned, because the men seemed to have come to a mutual agreement. Carter didn't want to keep him on board. Bush wasn't going to stay. And Carter later said, if, if he had stayed on, if I hadn't let him go, then he would never have probably become president. But look what he ends up doing. Carter serves one term. Bush comes back on four years later as the VP running mate with Ronald Reagan after trying to run for president himself. And then, bam, and then he becomes president after Reagan's time in office. So <laughs> so maybe, maybe Carter did him a favor. But the point is, is I don't know that Carter was actually president when he asked about UFOs. That's the whole point I wanted to make. Hmm. So that he couldn't tell him? If he, weren't, if he hadn't been elected president, what Carter said historically about all that was, I asked 
for the UFO information. And George Bush, DIA at the time, told me, sir, you don't have a need to know for that information. And so I've heard Bill Burns and other people over the years ask, if the president didn't have the need to know for UFO information, who the hell does? Well, again, Carter may not have been president at the time. He may have just been a guy who happened to be running for president and on the Democrat ticket at that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the president might not have that need to know. He's an elected public that, official. I mean, there's a ton of stuff that I'm sure the president doesn't know. Of course, dude. You, you're, we're talking about a temp position. He may exactly. Be, yeah, they're not going to give them any info. He may be the president, but it's a temp position. Don't forget that. You elect him, and if they don't like him in four years, they'll kick him out. So <laughs> You're just but, electing your fucking um, <clears throat> PR fucking conduit. Which PR administration do you want to get the shit from for the next four years? I want you guys thought on this, though. I mean, and I don't know, actually, maybe the Canadian perspective on this would be really interesting. But I mean, we'll just put it on the table for everybody. Is the two party system in America, is it broken or is it pure fuckery? Is it really just bullshit or do you like it? I mean, it's not a two party system. It's a one party system. It's not supposed to be. It's a one party system. No, it's 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 uh no, it's not good, I don't think. I mean, ours ours isn't really very good either, but I mean um It's not a two party system. That's the trick. They tricked you into thinking it's a two party system. Yep. Yep. Where they all have you gotta do is get a third social, party with you could get three or four debate. or five yeah. parties. They just all need fifteen percent of the thing to get into the debates, I guess. Whatever that however the fuck that happened. It's not who the president is. It's who, you know, brings the president in who's been there for 30 years. It's the generals. It's the people that aren't elected by you that are running everything behind the scenes. It's a, it's a why, fundraising scam, too. Yeah, that, that's why there is literal, you know, secret courts that we have that do things that are protected by warrants that you can't go and see what's going on. How did we get ourselves to a system where we have secret courts? Yeah, like, what's wrong with secret first, courts? Right, we, we bounce it back and forth. We blame each other. And the truth is, uh, you fight the left, you fight the right. We've been here forever. We're still running the game. I mean, I will point out that a lot of the people who end up on the cabinets who are very highly influential in various administrations are people who are career politicians, who are not elected officials, who are not placed within the confines of term limits, and who end up having much... I mean, again, you look at like during... Mm -hmm. Okay, so let's talk about... Okay, so Darren, let's talk about W for a minute. So here's VP, and we got this new film that looks fantastic coming out called Vice. Okay, talking about Dick Cheney and it's Christian <laughs> Bale. Who the hell thought Christian? Yeah, that's Bale? crazy. What the fuck? That guy transformed. Yeah, I saw the preview. I had no clue it was Christian Bale. Can you? Is he playing Grimes, Dick Cheney? Shit? No, I don't have a TV. <laughs> get on YouTube and look at it. Just okay. Uh, yeah, don't get demonetized or anything. But I mean, <laughs> not like I mean, right now. Pot it down, though, and, yeah, and look at it, because, I mean, it's incredible how much he looks like Cheney and Sam Rockwell playing George Bush. It's going to be a great film, I can tell. But the thing is, is that you look at Dick Cheney as the VP, and we all know about his role, you know, Darth Sidious behind the scenes. <laughs> and damn, I was looking at, at the time that Bush Sr. passed away a couple of weeks ago, pictures, and there's a picture of him standing out there behind the White House in the garden addressing the press, and there's Dick Cheney standing right next to him. You know, and guys like Cheney and Rumsfeld, you know, again, which you would have called neoconservatives, but which came from an older guard of really kind of, 
you know, this new wave of Democrats from the 1970s that flip and become the neoconservatives, you know, the old like new Republic contributors and stuff from the seventies who go full conservative because it fits their, their career making political agendas and aspirations. And there's been a lot written about that over the years, but again, these guys, it's like they're standing in the background in all the pictures of all those administrations, you know? And it's like, yeah, these are the guys, whether they're one of, whether one of them is part of the joint chief in, in one administration and then he's VP in another, or he's DIA in this one, or he's this or that, they may have different names and, in different roles, you know, in terms of their, their title. But I mean, the person remains throughout and their influence, obviously. And those people control everything stacked down because people don't realize a lot of the committees that you're going to be on, part of the requirement is you have to pay a half million dollars, a million dollars, two million dollars to sit on this mm-hmm. government committee. When you have you? Things like, yeah, yeah. No agenda show goes into this on, uh, on a couple of their episodes. And so when you have things like that going on, where it's just one of your requirements as, you know, to you have to fund into the Democratic committee or whatever. Well, now you are required to even sit in those positions to have so much funding, which means you need to be doing, you know, all the, you know, the political stumping or having the right people that are supporting you. So if you're in the background and you're supporting those right people, you can really pick and choose who's sitting in the positions and who's doing what. You know, it's the same thing with Donald Rumsfeld. I think it was him and um, aspartame, you know, you know, move yourself onto a committee, boot somebody off. It seems to be just the standard operating procedure in uh, Washington nowadays. Well, and the problem is with, I think, those career politicians that Michael was talking about is now it feels it. And I don't know if it's really like this, if it's switched over the last eight years since Obama was in. But it sure feels like a legit battle between the career politicians that were really globalists now and over the last 10 or 20 years. Um you know, opening borders and really trying to take over America compared to like now what's happening with, uh, with Trump. It really does feel like whether it is that or not could be a complete illusion. I'm not really sure no, yet. No, I don't know what to think, but males, what's going on with the democratic committee where, you know, Hillary's, you know, you know, upturning the apple cart from within and who knows. Why don't we go to the phone lines guys? We've got someone calling in by the way, seven, one, four, you're on with us. State your name and your objective, please. Oh, this is this is Anthony. This is burnt offerings. Hi, Micah. Hey, Anthony. How you doing? Good. I just caught the. I'm at work. I caught the live stream. I figured I'd drop in. Well, how nice of you to do so. Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, and we hope that you're doing fantastic, burning your Yule logs, and that you've got plenty of mirth and merriment there at work. And once you get back to your domicile, of course, we hope you'll be joining us for a drink too. Anthony, what's on your mind tonight, man? Uh, not much. Just- just dropped in. I heard you guys talking about George Bush, the two-party system. Kind of, kind of all over the place tonight. <laughs> yeah, we are. That's that's mm-hmm. one of our. That's us at our best. You know. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, it's a good round table. We've got the whole crew here. Oh yeah. I accidentally. Greatness. Did you I say you were? Down. Did you say you were burnt <laughs> offerings? I just yeah. accidentally blocked you instead of that bot. How do I undo that? Oh, now that bot is, is Swampy McGee. I guess he's the bot in the chat log. Yeah, <laughs> so I just un- unboxed you. We've got a few of those bots calling in tonight, too. Fucking bots. <laughs> <laughs> the yeah. first call was great. <laughs> yeah. Oh, she's tried to call back. The first call was James's oh, mom. Bro. We've got her on the strikeout. Yeah, yeah that's, that it was. That it was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We won't, we won't allow for that anymore. I won't tolerate so what are, what are your thoughts on the two party system, Anthony? What do you what do you think about it? Uh, 
I think uh, I think it's all a sort of like charade, just to sort of let you think you're making the decision, but the decision's already been made. Is a charade like a charade, but in French? Yeah, I don't, I don't really put much stock in the, the whole voting process. Are you a voter, Anthony? Uh, no, I'm not. Okay. I mean, you know, that's... Me neither. <laughs> well, that's something I noticed this year, and I, I always vote. As a matter of fact, I'm a geek. I've got my little voted stickers back over here, but I vote... But I found that, especially among millennials this year, more people... Do you have your Stronger Together bumper sticker? So, what was it? Do you have your Stronger Together bumper sticker? Yeah, uh, no, I don't. What were you saying, Micah, before you were really interrupted? I was was just saying that that more millennials I spoke to this year especially said, we aren't even going to waste our vote. And I asked several of them, and I also saw this on some news coverage also, so I think that really I saw this pretty much across the board. But everyone, I'll, I'll just tell you from my personal experience, Anthony and you guys, everyone I spoke to was like, why would I vote? Look what they did to Bernie Sanders. Yeah, that's a good it. point. Well, what's really fascinating about all that to me is that, you know, it wasn't a bunch of people conspiracy theorizing. It was younger, disaffected liberal voters saying that they didn't get the candidate they wanted. They said the Demo- basically, in their view, the Democratic National Committee showed favoritism toward another candidate didn't give a fair shake to the one that we wanted who actually had, again, what would be true progressive qualities. And they said, we felt as a result of all that, that our vote didn't even matter. So why the hell go vote? So, well, that, yeah, like, keep going, keep going. No, 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 please. I've no, said, just, how it, dare you rudely interrupt he Michael was, when he's he talking? Was, he wasn't <laughs> in the same fucking state. It's a different interruption. He was grasping for words. Oh, so, go ahead then. Then I should interrupt you all the time. I wish I heard more of that because I feel like what we hear more of is people that are just blaming Trump and they think everybody, somehow this big mystery happened and there wasn't a bunch of disillusioned people that got Trump elected, but it's a bunch of brainwashed people that are all racist that got Trump elected. Like they're, they're forgetting what happened with the DNC, what happened with the Clinton foundation. Like, why is that not all brought into context with more of these people that don't understand why there would be 55 million people wanting to vote for Trump because of the bullshit that's been going on for the last 10 or 20 years. I mean, because the major pipeline of news you have is CNN over there. So you guys are buying that line of brainwashing. Meanwhile, people here don't see it quite so thickly. Yeah. I mean, again, I'm not a huge fan of Trump by any stretch of the imagination, nor was I during the uh, campaign. I actually voted Republican, though, in the primaries. And I'll tell you why. Because I voted for Ted Cruz, because I wanted to take a vote away from Donald Trump. Well, that's what I was just going to say. What happens in the Canadian system too much, right, is is I think in probably other countries more so than your two party system down there is it's I feel like people change their vote, not who they want to vote for in Canada, but because they're splitting votes and they don't want somebody else in power. So they'll vote for somebody they don't agree with just so they don't put a vote in somebody else that that will affect the, you know, the other person getting, getting elected. So I are spot on people vote strategically. And then I went home that night and thought I should have voted my conscience. Like every good American should do, but who, I mean, some people do do that, but, I mean, again, it's sad that more people these days either feel like they need to vote for someone they don't want to vote for to vote against the guy that they really don't want in office or that they don't vote at all because they feel like they're being lied to. Exactly. And the, I mean, what the fuck is up with the political system where that's the reasons that people vote the way they do if they vote? Yeah. Anthony, well, what are your thoughts, my man? Anthony, what do you think? Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's tough. I mean, there's so much going on with voting that I don't even, I don't even bother going or registering. I also heard people yeah. saying... 
I don't know how to vote. They were like, I mean, seriously, I wouldn't know how to even go through this process, even if I did go do it. So maybe that's another aspect to this, too. It's like, I mean, and here's the thing. <laughs> I've heard people bring this up a few times. They're like, okay, well, maybe we should just make it so that everybody can go vote online. You know, if you can manage health care, you know, through an online system or something like that, why don't we just let people vote online? And they're like, oh, my God, are you serious with all the data breaches, all the hacking and everything like this? So there are two arguments. It's like, well, no, we've got plenty of infrastructure to have a, you know, if, if anything, it actually might be more effective to have people vote online. And then they're like, are you kidding? Look at WikiLeaks. Look at Facebook, for God's sake. You know, we throw voting into that mix and it's going to be all hell breaking loose. So I don't know. I don't know that there's a clear answer to all of this. No, but I do want to hit on one thing because it, it bothers me here in Florida. You'll hear people think, saying that they can't make a difference. Like you might be able to vote, but you're not going to change the system. There's a whole gang of states that allow you to put things on the amendment if you can get a certain number of votes. Florida is one of those. So no matter what our state legislator says, that's how we passed legal marijuana in the state. It's how we got rid of Greyhound racing. It's how we got rid of fracking and indoor vaping on the same bill at the same time. What? Um, yeah, because people support one bill and then they tax something on. So you'll get a couple of things. Sometimes. Sure. Yeah. It's yeah. ridiculous. Anthony, can you hang on for a minute? We've got another call, and actually, I think I can either keep you on or put you on hold. Can you stand by for a minute, man? Or hang up yeah, on you, one of the three. Yeah, hang on, because, oh, I think we just missed him. So uh, whoever was just calling in, if you'd like to try and call back in, Anthony, you should still be on the line, but uh, if you'd like to get back in there, I think it was... Anyways, the point there just All was right, go ahead. Yeah, you can make a difference because you can actually vote on something that your legislator won't you know, push through in, in some states. So you know, go out and vote. You can make a difference. We just had a referendum here in, uh, in Cal and where, where was that? Calgary? On the Olympics. Calgary, our city about the Olympics. And it was voted down. Like people just said, really? no, we don't want the Olympics here. Forget it. Don't even go to your bid. Awesome. So, I mean, you know, maybe if they do more stuff like that, maybe starting it electronically, I don't know if that's even the thing, but I mean, we just went, it was pretty smooth process. You went to your voting, your polling station, boom, in and out in two minutes. Well Oh, you what voted do you think on the, the Olympics? That would have? Did What'd you, you vote? Bankrupt your city? Did like you vote yes or no? I voted no. That's you hate the Olympics. Come back to that in a moment, guys. I didn't say that. Uh, just because, just because, me is it, it because ball hockey is an unrecognized <laughs> Olympic event? <laughs> oh, <laughs> it was man. almost. I would totally go to the Olympics. Hey, guys. Hang on just a second. We we got a caller on the line here. Okay. I'm in trouble, it sounds like. Who we got on with us? I can't believe that I called this show and y'all just let me go straight to voicemail. What's up? It's be the best thing ever. My favorite people in the world <laughs> are all in one damn show right now. Joe Root. I didn't. I didn't know. Uh, I had no idea that you said the f word though. You said <laughs> no. We didn't. Uh, no, we never say that shit. <laughs> How you doing, bud? I'm good, man. But you guys are talking about Trump. If you want to know about Trump, you should read Bob Woodward's book. Yeah. Trump is a child, mm. but we put him in there. Well, you know, so I get your point. Oh, yeah. But again, coming back to something Graham said, I think that the reason he got elected not was because or rather it was not because people weren't ready to make the move toward the right choice or, you know, and it's not to me a feminist issue either. It was simply this. I think people saw the Democratic candidate as a career politician. Yeah. You see her as a strong candidate. I mean, she was often absent on the on the campaign trail uh, half the time when she was out there. And again, you know, I can't, I'm sure she couldn't help either that she was feeling bad when she was out there. But I mean, she was sick an awful lot of the time and had that cough. 
these things communicated to people a lot of mixed messages. And a lot of people, I'm sure, were either thinking to themselves, is she going to be fit as a commander in chief? God knows what else is on their mind. People, there were plenty of reasons, in other words, that they voted for Donald Trump, as crazy as that may seem right now. And like you said, uh, Joe, we should all probably read Woodward's book. I haven't read that book. Are you guys serious? Is, is he, are you being probably, sarcastic? We should probably spend less time talking about Donald Trump anyway. They spend enough time talking about Donald Trump all day, fucking every yeah, day. Yeah, he's a, he's a child. You know what <laughs> I mean? The great irony is Hillary. Figured, yeah, he is a child, but I still haven't figured out how to get everybody uh, to to like me like you do. And, you know, I want everybody, you know what I mean? I want everybody to like me, Micah. Everybody <laughs> likes you. How do you no, pull that off? I don't, I don't fucking do. like Micah. Not everybody likes me. <laughs> Damn sure. <laughs> I, it's, it's, um, I don't know. I don't know. It's, uh, Grim, help me out here. If there's, well, a- I, I like Joe until fucking he called Trump a child. Oh you boy! Oh boy! I mean, the Trumpian is okay, coming this, out. Okay, this happens all the time. Off with the thing. Okay, maybe you called. I think you called Grimsteak, not Graham. You got to be. Graham you got to be clear when you say <laughs> yeah, yeah, Grim. Right. It sounds like Graham. So yeah, exactly right. So Grimsteak, Graham America, not Graham America. Fuck off, Graham America. Dungeons and Dragons with you, man, and you're worried about me calling Trump a child. We're all children. Yeah. <laughs> yes, we are. So, Americans and Graham, I do mean you this you, time. You're what's in the wrong, fucking Dungeons and Dragons what, things too, Joe Roop. What's wrong with Roop? Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Look, let's all... We miss you, dude. Aaron, every here, everybody here but you and Micah. I'll join you guys sometime. I will. Um, if I start uh, playing Dungeons and Dragons, the show will slowly twitter out into nothing. The show will spiral beyond the Stop interrupting Micah. He's trying to talk. Top views. <laughs> That's funny because usually you can't get a fucking word in edgewise if I'm talking. <laughs> no, no. I mean, the truth is, though, I want to know, Graham and, and Darren, what's wrong with Joe calling Trump a child? I no, think I would kidding. agree with Joe. I'm just kidding. We're all children. <laughs> <laughs> Backpedaling real quick. Yeah, gonna fall <laughs> over. That's only because I said it, though. Right. Joe, pew, what are you doing pew. this holiday season, man? How are you celebrating Christmas? All right, Dunlop. Say don't worry. I'm just gonna I'm gonna celebrate Christmas all by my lonesome man, like I do every year. So I hope some of you guys are gonna be doing something live. Don't yeah, man. Friday Joe, come hang out with us Friday. Yeah, or, uh, Christmas Tuesday. steak is gonna be a live Christmas night. We're we're gonna pull it off. Well, that's where I'll be then. Nice. Yeah, man. Hang with us. Oh, maybe I'll call yeah. in too. Damn. If I do come that, hang, dude. I'll be there. I'll be able to talk if I call in though. So. <laughs> well, Online up. I just wanted to say hey to everybody. I got to talk to a lot of you guys in a long time. Oh, I seen it pop up on YouTube, and I was like, "Holy shit!" Micah and cruising with states in there, and it's you know, Dry America. You can't get better than that. You guys do this every year, don't you? We do. Why don't you join us next year, man? Mate, I hope I could. I hope I can. I mean, you're joining us now, but I mean, (laughs) yeah. Well, you you got quite a busy schedule, Joe. You're on four nights a week now, right? Yeah, I'm supposed to be. prepping right now but you know i like to pretend <laughs> that i'm somebody special and know what i'm doing but i really don't look i'm gonna tell you, you know? let, let me pay him a compliment before he goes real quick because when i want, went on his show i was like god almighty how do you do that i mean he sounded so professional and i'm like you must have a background in radio and he says no i don't really but he said i actually i i took a, an online class so that i could learn and i'm like it shows this guy right here is one of the most damn professional broadcasters i've ever worked with and he sounds like he's been doing it for 20 years. 
So Joe, to me, to me, I'm the kind of guy who wants to be like you and do what you do. You're doing it four nights a week. So brother, keep it up and keep doing the fantastic job, man. I'm proud as hell of you. And uh, you're doing what we all want to be doing. more like Darren. Darren's my fucking hero, but he hates me. You know? <laughs> he hates the fuck? I love Joe. Rube. I know that guy. He hates everybody. <laughs> fuck you. Fuck you, Micah. How about that? All right. Next year, we'll get Joe in here. We'll do the fan deal. This is awesome. All right. See you later, Joe. Thanks for calling, man. Joe, later on, Christmas. This is Joe Root, the man himself. It's a magical Joe Root. Hello? We may have another caller on here. We may? Yeah. I think think we lost him, though. Do you know how to work that thing? It's like fishing. You got to catch him. You got to set the hook. I was just afraid that that was that person again. Hang on, oh, let's just let's the just prank caller. It's okay, let's, let's give it a chance, hang on, guys. Hang on, just one second. What? Wait, hold on. Domino's pizza. You know, ain't like your mother. Domino's. Oh, I that. Domino's. That's yeah, it's pretty yeah. funny. <laughs> was it the same person? Yeah. What's the area code? Um, they they uh were blocking their um <clears throat> number. So unfortunately, I don't believe you. This is, they, they are literally, it says okay. unknown person. Okay. I'll send you a screen grab. But so here's the thing. Oh, the area code the first time though was uh, 614. So 614. Just write that down. Yep. That's right. So we are monitoring you. And unfortunately. If you call back, we're doing the next three numbers and the last four numbers. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, we'll, like, we'll put it all out there. So quit that shit. But sad thing is if, if you try to use caller ID and block the call, you're just going to make it so that we can't take calls from anybody. All right. You don't want to be a Shut jerk off. <laughs> you don't want to be a jerk off. So don't do Columbus, that. Ohio. Nope. It's I bet you I know who it is. Oh, <laughs> uh, we all know who it is. The Uh-oh. master. Whoops. The master troll. Somebody <laughs> just somebody just got pwned. Nope. Man. Well, wow, you guys are quick. Hell, that was even quicker than me. Damn, you guys are like real like web sleuths and stuff. Because <laughs> I quit eating gluten. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Darren, I wanted to tell you something really quickly, too, in the interim between calls here. Uh, I don't really hate you. I love you. You know that? I know that, Micah. You're actually one of my, one of my very favorite guys. Oh, and, um, that's sweet. <laughs> I need to come to contact in the cabin. Yeah, you should. Contact grab, at the cabin, grab not grab in the cabin. Grab Grim on your way by, too. Yeah, grab Grim <laughs> by the scruff of the neck and drag him oh. along. We had him right there until, like... On the way. He was there until like three days before the last one. He's like, yeah. fuck it, I'm out. Yeah. His co-host <laughs> flies out to surprise him and he doesn't show up. <laughs> so, you know, I do want to get into something a little more serious probably since we're talking about demonetization and all that kind of stuff. What what, what do you think more about serious the, than voting? the Patreon uh, hate speech uh, problem with uh, Sark? What is his name again? Sargon Avocad. Yeah. Sargon Avocad they kicked off. And uh, I know that Sam Harris yeah. ended up uh, closing out his yeah. uh, Patreon. Yeah, Whoa, that's pretty right serious. Now. That's some pretty serious stuff that, you know. Yeah. Well, and they're talking heard about, about starting yeah, what, What's going on with that? I haven't actually. I mean, well, I've apparently, uh, apparently Sargon Avocad was on a YouTube stream that had nothing to do with Patreon. He was on somebody else's show and he, uh, he dropped the N-bomb like a couple times. Oh. And... Patreon, the, like somebody was watching that video, ended up sending it to Patreon, and then Patreon ended up completely kicking him off the platform. When it was really nothing Patreon related, it wasn't on their platform or anything. He was on another show. 
But yeah, so they just uh, and do, I mean, I don't know if you ever heard of any Sargon, but he seems he doesn't seem like a very racist person. Well, that's what I was <laughs> did saying. Anybody listen, we did almost, anybody listen? We to that? almost started talking about it on the intro, and then we pulled back and didn't because I haven't listened to the audio. I yeah, mean, the excerpt that I read is, is kind of damning, but I mean, I, yeah. I have to hear it all in context before I comment yeah. on it. Well, it has. Yes, exactly. Context is everything. And yeah. I think that, you know, I'll give you this example, for instance, on, on an episode of the Rubin Report, Thaddeus Russell, somebody who I really respect and one of the few guys who kind of in this in this modern intellectual dark web ish kind of era of people talking about unpopular ideas. He's one of the few guys who will make some allowances for uh, postmodernism, which I actually like because he not only talks about it, but he expresses it and helps people, I think, understand uh, some of the merits of the idea out of hand, though many of them have gotten, as even many progressive liberals like Brett Weinstein talk about. And so, um, and in fact, actually, it seems to be almost across the board. I've got friends in academia who are on the left and on the right who are like, you know, the postmodernism is a virus. Again, if you hear someone like Thaddeus Russell talk about it, he will make the argument that it isn't always at all times. And maybe some would say you shouldn't cherry pick, but I think if we're talking about concepts. Maybe it's fair to do that. All that to say, he appeared on the Rubin Report and he also used that word. Now, of course, I would never use that word, and I think that it's a foolish idea to do so for a number Mm -hmm. of reasons, most of them having to do with ethical and social issues. But he said it, and in this context, he said, I think it should be obvious by the way that I'm talking about this subject that I hate that word in the concept. But he he says, in order to be able to have that debate and remain intellectually honest, we have to be able to use the word in order to drive home the point of its misuse and the evils associated with it. And clearly in that context, sitting there on the Rubin report, he could say the word and it was not maybe, I don't think it's ever acceptable, but he nonetheless points out that we are against that word, which is why we say it. Right. And, but, but I don't know what the situation with Sargon was now. So you say Sam Harris has now bailed from, from the use of Patreon as a result of this. Yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that he closed his down and he was like one of the top 10, uh, like earners on Patreon. Yeah, and so. he was like, even though they haven't done anything to me yet, uh, I don't support this uh, this type of banning. I guess is basically what he said. I mean, they you know they quoted their the part of the community guidelines that Sargon um, violated, and it does seem pretty like when they put it in in their their script here, it does seem pretty bad, like what he said. But like like Darren said, it might be out of contents. But they said in our community guidelines, we state that we don't allow hate sp- hate speech. Part of how we define hate speech in these policies is hate speech includes serious attacks or even negative generalizations of people based on their race and sexual orientation. But not height or amount of hair. We also say that when reviewing an account for potential hate speech violations, we consider some of the following questions. And then it gets into like, are they using racial slurs or negative depictions of a protected class? So... You know, and apparently that he he did use racial slurs, and he was uh, linked with those slurs was negative generalization generalizations of behavior. In contrast, what, what do they uh, do? They explain what they consider a protected class. Uh, non-white males. They, well, no, not, is that is that basically it? <laughs> are they are they talking? I about- just got my new uh, status card in the mail actually the other day. I'm a I'm officially a registered Indian again. 
Oh, nice. nice. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I, I, Grim, I don't, I'm not sure. But well, that's, that's, yeah. that's part the thing of the about is a generalization in the way it's written, because like what you were talking about, Micah, I go back to like uh, a Lenny Bruce, a comedian's form of view where to take right. the power out mm-hmm. of the word, he would stand in a room and repeatedly go from subject to subject with racial slurs mm-hmm. going, you know, if you hear this word and it cuts you deep, well, what does that do to a little kid who hears that hate for the first time mm-hmm. being put at him? Now, if he's heard that word a thousand times and he knows it's a joke and the person behind it really can't wield anything. You've, you've taken the magic out of that word. And, and so when you start having these things are protected, you give great power to these words. I, I mean, I'm a believe that words are magic. They can certainly affect your feelings. So yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy how that affects society. That's a forward. really good point. Yeah, it is. I mean, the deeper question, of course, which I don't want to go all Ludwig Wittgenstein, but I mean, if we look at the philosophy of language, you, like you said there, Adam, you know, words of magic, that might sound like a silly thing to somebody, but I mean, if you want to demystify the magic, and I know Joe Roop would appreciate this, what we're talking about is utilizing a complex form of communication, in this case a verbal, although it could also apply to a written form of communication, and the not only the effect that psychically, and I don't mean like psychic, you know, woo, I'm talking about like, I mean, the psychological effect that it has on one's mentality. You don't have to believe that a mantra works to believe that neurolinguistics works. You can look at car designs on the dash when it says, don't forget your keys. And you go, this person didn't understand neurolinguistics because it says, forget your keys, which is what yeah. your brain is thinking. It should say, remember your keys. your keys, boom. Then you're not going to forget, which is what you're going to do. And that's why when you say things to yourself that there's meaning behind these words, I'm an idiot. Okay, well, what are you doing to yourself because you're reinforcing something? Mm-hmm. So I, 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 it, it, I really, because I social engineer myself trying to pull those things out of myself because mm-hmm. and on top of that, being a believer in mantras, you know, it's doubly uh, important. It's not silly, though. It's not silly at all. I mean, we take for granted to a point that it is almost removed from Western thought, the importance of words and the effects that they have on people. And it's sad to me that in the Western mind, although you might say in that postmodernist tradition that Thaddeus Russell would agree, maybe with me on this, that the, the idea of the West is a bit of a, uh, you know, again, that, that, that's a social construct in itself. I mean, we're on a globular sphere floating somewhere in, a, in an amorphous, possibly never ending universe allegedly allegedly yeah i mean what the <laughs> hell is the west i mean you don't even have those orientations again these are all the concepts. what we think we know and what we can control well, and, and who's got who's got control over that passing by and who's got control over that definition and how who changes it i mean who who expands yeah. it to um other 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 things i mean short well, people the, and we talk about that all the time jokingly i mean of course it's jokingly but what was like what was i going to say about that Graham, um, real quick one of the best like this one of the best videos on that whole idea of demystification or actually just revealing the social construct as it is the idea of the west is actually the fantastic youtuber known as natalie Wynn. contrapoints do any of you follow contrapoints no i've no. never even heard of it Wow. Check I have out that same flag, though, Adam. So check it out. Natalie Wynn, okay, a transgender woman, okay, formerly a man who has become a woman and who is a progressive liberal and a social justice warrior, okay? Doesn't mm-hmm. sound, but again, that's what she identifies as, is SJW. So you're probably thinking, oh, I don't want to go watch that. It is some of the most intelligent commentary on the web on these issues, in my opinion. 
and it is fabulous. The lighting, I mean, the content, the fabulous. points, the contra points. I mean, it's incredible. You need to check it out. But there's a video that Natalie does. I think it's titled The West. And it, it again, it really puts it all out there in a very avant-garde kind of artsy way. What the hell is the West? There's no fucking such thing. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And everything West, it's all perspective. But yeah, I mean, people you know, have been trolling in chat rooms and been kicked, like, kicked out of the, the people's platforms. I mean, the problem with these types of rules and all that is now it's open for anybody to hijack and to, to troll their way to get, to get people kicked off of certain platforms. I mean, if, 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 if a bunch of people just get together in a, a chat room and start acting all racist or whatever, then who knows what can happen to that? If you're yeah. not monitoring it properly, I mean... What's crazy to think of is that you're getting kicked off these platforms, but it's really just an electronic lattice of digital information. We're all sitting in different places with this lattice running between us, separating us in different ways that we're, if that thing fell apart, I mean, imagine where all that hate, I mean, it would come down to your community and having to take care right. of yourself on the spot. And, or it might just disappear back. and everyone start fucking getting along again, that evil right. lattice. Well, let's... It's people, it's so though, I think, you don't know what it's like. <laughs> Adam, it's people, though, and this is one reason I love what Natalie does, by the way, on her YouTube channel, is that a lot of the a lot of the commentary is oriented around this whole idea of, well, I mean, not postmodernism, let's just destroy all concepts just because that's what we should do. It's not that at all. It's very intelligent, intelligently asking questions in the true sense of skepticism and recognizing the bullshit. And then all of a sudden you realize, well, it's almost like it makes a better uh a platform for debate and discussion without all these trigger words and all these catchphrases and things like that. So, I mean, that's why I really support people. I don't really care what your political you know, background is as long as you articulate your points and you do so in a very civil and intelligent way, which she does. Uh, really quickly, though, I, because I don't want to lose track of something here. This, is, this seems really important to me. Uh, Darren, you and I, we were talking about how we didn't have the, the context for Sargon's uh, removal. We don't have that, and so we can't speak on those terms. But what we do have right here, at least, at least in the limitations of this conversation to work on as a, as a judgment point, if you want to call it that, is Sam Harris leaving Patreon in response to that. Now, look, mm -hmm. Sam is somebody I really re respect. I mean, incredibly so. I think he's a true, if not one of the truest intellectual leaders of our time. And I hate that. I hate that stupid ass idea of thought leaders. Every fucking body has to be a, a thought leader these days. Fuck that bullshit. Yeah. I can't, it's so fucking stupid. <laughs> there are real people, but there are real people who buy, who buy their actions demonstrate that they are capable of it. And Sam Harris is one of these people to me who would never ever go around calling himself a fucking thought leader, but who qualifies as actually being one. Okay. So if Sam Harris does something like that, that to me is perhaps indicative of something we should keep an eye on. And since we can't speak to the situation with Sargon, nor will I, and of course I don't advocate the use of the term that apparently got him banned. So that, yeah. one's, a little, that one's a little charged as it is. It's already kind of loaded. Let's look at a different situation. And this is a favorite of mine. So Sam Harris, right, has uh, Charles Murray the author of the book, The Bell Curve, on his podcast. Now, he initially had, if you remember this whole controversy, and again, because these days you have to point these things out, this is in no way an endorsement of Charles Murray or anything like that. But the point is, is that Sam had, he felt unfairly dismissed Charles Murray on a number of occasions 
because of the associations between Charles Murray and racism or whatever else. What turns out what it actually was, was there had been a passing mention in his book, The Bell Curve, about that ever controversial subject about race and IQ. And I actually share Sam's position on that. I'm not really interested in talking about that right now. But he did want to try and have Charles come on the podcast, and he wanted to talk with Charles Murray. And that results in a Vox article titled Sam Harris, Charles Murray, and the Unfortunate Revival of Race Science. Yeah, yeah. And they immediately start, Graham, this comes back to something you were talking about. They all, they all kind of assume, well, this must be what Sam believes now. So we're going to find a nice new label for him, and we're going to attack him, a Hillary supporter, a progressive. Mm-hmm. Oh, but one hap- who happens to speak out against other radical forms of religion that involve, you know, advocation of killing people and beheading them. So they attack Sam Harris, and he invites at that time Ezra Klein on his podcast to try and talk about this. Sadly, rather than finding common ground, it seems to me, and this is from my perspective, Ezra Klein of Vox just doubles down, and it's like, no, we won't find common ground. You said this. This is what you believe. This is what you do. And I'm like, so here we have a leading intellectual, a leading liberal thinker, an atheist. He he seems to have all the qualities of what you want in an individual who calls themselves an intellectual in America today. And now he's being demonized by the far, far, far left based on the same premise you talked about, Graham, of, oh, we think we know what you are, whether or not you say you're that or whether you agree with our definition of what you are because we thought you were that. We said it before you did. And it's mm-hmm. like, what's yeah. in the fuck? We've lost yeah. the old art of sitting down and talking. You may have an extreme view. I may have an extreme view. We're clearly seeing that there are multiple views of the world. But if we sit down and talk, we can find, well, that makes sense. It's, it's the same argument that if somebody's Christian, they don't want to read a different religious uh, text. And you go, okay, well, a broken clock can be broke, you know, right twice a day. Read it. You might get something good out of it. There's a middle ground. There's things to be learned. If you wall yourself off, you're going to get stuck with a limited amount of ideas. And, you know, I mean, look at evolution in the real world. If you want to take a, an as above, so below with thoughts, you know, into the world, if, if you restrict those ideas, you're going to limit your, you know, your, your ability to grow and adapt. Mm-hmm. Well, the other way to look at it, which we didn't talk about, is let's assume that the context is correct and they they are right with the way, let's say he was acting racist and hateful in that way. Should like what if what if that is true? Should they should they be able to do this? Should these big platforms be able to do that? Should hate speech rules and laws like it's happening in Europe and Canada starting to come about more? Should that be a rule? Or should we like Adam says, like I believe that that words are spells as well. I mean, it is, there's a power behind words and it's, I don't like hate speech and I, we shouldn't be supporting it, but shouldn't it happen organically and through proper, um, uh, proper, you know, the ways where we, we call each other out on it and not by governmental rules. Let people fall on their own sword, even if it's their own words. And we need to stop the editing and the out of context, because when you put up a short two, three second clip, that's what needs to get stopped because when you actually hear things in context, at least if people can find a way to source the information, very often you're like, oh, well, that wasn't so bad. And even if it was or you don't like it, well, let it stand. And then you judge that person based on that. That's how it works in the real world. When your friend says something really messed up, you don't go, he's trash forever. You go, dude, that's screwed up. And you're like, yeah, man, it really was. You learn like, you, you know, you, you have to kind of push each other into adjustment. And if you don't have that to bounce off of, I don't know. It's it, it's weird when you have a big brother there trying to decide, you know, how how the how the kids playing. Yeah, and then tomorrow tomorrow the rules change, and then and then you know now you're in trouble again because the rules have changed, and now they can go back ten years and say, oh, now you're breaking more rules. 
Guys, yeah. I just I just rolled a D twenty on fall on my own sword and I hit a twelve. So I don't know what you think, man. But do you think it passes or not? Or did I like to fall and just stab myself yeah, in my you, hip? Yeah, you got a little little wounded. What? I rolled a thirteen. I mean, isn't it better though to rather than say, okay, somebody said something stupid. He spoke out of ignorance. Exocommunication for all time. Wouldn't it be better to be able to say, hey man, you said something that was pretty fucked up. It's wrong. Here's why. And that person goes, Well, actually, you know, you've brought me to your side of the argument. Now I understand why what I said was wrong. I'll I'll try to do better. Exactly. See, that's the thing is in our society these days, I don't think that and again. I was complimenting uh, Natalie Wynn, uh, you know, who again identifies as a social justice warrior. But again, I would say this. If all social justice warriors were as eloquent as Natalie is, uh, that would not be a term that many see as a pejorative. It would not be a term that has this emotionally charged kind of stigma to it. The reason it has that is because many people who I think lack the philosophical and also, and actually, you know, Natalie, I think, even said this in some of her videos, but I mean, People who often lack an actual perspective and haven't thought deeply, but who feel an emotional reaction to things and just act without really thinking about it. Those are the people that we associate the idea of the social justice warrior with. Let me give you a couple of examples really quickly. So Dave Rubin, okay? Dave Rubin getting up and talking at a, I can't remember what the college was, but he gets up to talk and he's trying to engage in the audience. And these kids are standing up there shaking jars full of coins. Have you seen this? (laughs) They'd be no. shaking jars full of coins, and some of them are also chanting things. Some of them are chanting Black Lives Matter and other, look, noble causes, but it's like you can't even get out there and articulate a point. All you can do is stand there and chant like a robot, which is what he said. He says, okay, guys, great. We've got a bunch of robots up there, in the, and he's a comedian. Well, that, and, and what's crazy is you're trying to shut that down. Look at the first person, really, that got hit with this, this big um, media thing where you get called out for racism, Michael Richards. There was a video oh, of him yeah. going off in a nightclub. It got released on a cell phone. That had never happened before. And it blew up within like 20 minutes all over Twitter. He started just spreading. Okay, full out video, long, nice clip. Everybody judged him. His career was over, still hasn't recovered. So, you know, thing, you, you don't need coin shaking. That's what you do to your dog when you want to keep him from getting scared from lightning. Yeah. And by, about Michael Richards, by the way, you're right. I mean, now, granted, here's the thing, though, man. That guy, yeah, he might have been really pissed off at the time, but I mean, for fuck's sake, that was a really racist thing that he said, and the way he acted, that was not acceptable social behavior. But you know what? Time Magazine gave him the last page a couple of years ago, and they did did an interview with him, and they say, do you think your fans have forgiven you for that? And he goes, I don't know if people have forgiven me, but I've forgiven myself, and that's a a big step toward overcoming that. I've heard a lot of uh, listening to Joe Rogan and other people in that field talk about him and saying that, you know, making judgments about substances being involved. But aside from that saying it was an amateur mistake, it's the same oh, thing that happens with a comedian. Somebody comes at you, you go for the throat. Well, you that's it. your audience. You went way too far. You're, you're trying to be way too edgy. And you went from being on a sitcom, not ever doing the road, and you're jumping in with the big boys. You should have gone and cut your teeth in the comedy clubs first. He, yeah, he totally lost it. But, you know, I want to come back to this idea of redemption for a moment here, because, again, it seems in our society that, we don't want to be able to tell our friend the next day, hey, it's okay, man. What you said was pretty fucked up. But you know what? Now you kind of see our side of the argument. And you told us you're going to try and do better. So come over and have drinks tonight. And don't ever let that shit happen again. But it's all good. We don't want that. We want fucking pure, unadulterated exocommunication. You said it once. 
you're irredeemable, you're out, you're done, you're gone. I don't care if you're a Hillary voter, if you're progressive, fuck you, you're done. That seems to be the culture we live in these days. There's no chance for redemption. And it's kind of ridiculous in its extremism. I was going to say. That's like Louis, Louis C.K. Oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's a good shot there's, right there. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> inevitably, this conversation, though, is, is. I'm sorry, James, I think you were saying something. No, I just, I mean, like, I. Same thing with in the in the media and how things are played. You, you remember, like, like Adam just brought up that that story, you know, with with him and um, how there only used to be like once in a while you'd hear these stories of of you know word police, whatever you know, coming coming to uh, attack people like that. But now, dude, I mean, obviously in the last couple of years, I mean, it is every single day. I mean, you'll hear. And a new attack. I mean, every single day, whatever terminology, whatever story. I mean, it's twenty four seven. There's a new. There's I mean, information is just instant. You know? I think that's had a big part of it. Yeah, and then I think it. I heard something today. They can they they viewed like leftism as like the view of the unhappy, like anything like 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 the woe is me the unhappy like like the, that's this, how this professor idea. The victim yeah that's how professor yeah. ted categorizes yeah. them too and so i i find that pretty interesting you know i mean i, I none of us here in in the unhappy viewpoint i don't i it's as far as me to grasp like i mean i've never been a victim of harassment that's for one i mean one one issue i guess that i never personally had but I mean, maybe if, if I was, I'd have a different viewpoint on some of those things, but like, sure, it's a tough, it's a tough call, but it is pretty rampant in, in any terminology and any, uh, idea tossed out and it's just completely flipped and turned into this, like, woe is me idea. I don't understand. Like, yeah, well, it, might- it's just the attack. I, it's an attack a piece. I think I don't, it seems like it. James, you might say there's a little bit of a, uh, persecution complex, although Again, Brett Weinstein put it so eloquently. He said, you know, I've identified my entire life as a progressive liberal. And the reason why is because he said that I feel that a person who is on the left sees a need for change. And he says, my goal in life is to be a progressive and to make a world where I can be a conservative. And I thought, well, man, that's a great definition. But again, he's a guy who is very amenable to discussion with people who are on the political right, even though he identifies is being on the political left. But I don't think, it's, it's, it's interesting because there are some people who are very open to discussion and dialogue and they know where they are politically. Yeah. And then there's this whole like, no, 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 fuck all that. We're, we are the persecuted. It is, it is like a persecution complex. And if somebody seems not to be full on on the attack mode, like you were saying, it's like yeah. every day there's something new. Every day, who's the person we're going to attack? Who's the latest star to fall? Who's the sure. latest? Yeah. You know, whether it's Me Too. Whether, I'm not trying to say that Me Too or things like that are bad. I'm just saying that you well, can. That's someone you mentioned, like Black Lives Matter, all these things that are just thought up in a think tank and spit out there to create like this other agenda or whatever. Well, here's the thing to yeah. me, man. They're all mm-hmm. ideas with noble and very important purpose. But the problem is, is that people who I think, again, especially if they fall into a kind of a persecution complex. Yeah, that's right. Those who are not affected by those issues directly try to become advocates for that cause and sometimes, not always, but sometimes end up causing more harm than good 
which undermines the intention of that noble effort. So, I mean, again, and that's the horrible thing is that I see people looking at these movements or these ideas and saying, oh, this is bad. That's another problem. There's part of the problem, too. And it's like, guys, people are trying to do good. All these people are trying to do the right fucking thing. The problem is, is when you get wet trolls behind these yeah. causes who are willing to weaponize it, and then they show up at, at events, they don't have anything intelligent to say. They want to stand there with a jar full of coins and rattle them. Yeah, yeah, and just, just try to shut said speaker down or whatever. Yeah, Guys, yeah. that is not free speech. That no, is not, not open at all. debate. That is not dialogue. That is not, that, nothing about that is intellectual debate. That is what we need. But then here's the weird thing. We're living in so many different bubbles on who's reporting what. And you can look at Jordan Peterson. He's talking about doing, you know, all these shows and having zero interruptions, zero problems, zero anything, having great conversations with people afterwards, shaking their hand, meeting them in Whole Foods. And you compare that to all the rest of the media. And yeah, he talks about it being bad, but it's not all bad. He's like, it's not as bad as it's being reported out there. And I look at things like, you know, down at, you know, one of the local restaurants I go to, I'll see people wearing Trump hats and, you know, Infowar t-shirts, but yet you can go out to a place like Portland and that person, you know, the whole thing going on with Antifa, that would not fly down in South Florida, you know, vice versa. Those people with those, you know, Trump supporting are not going to fly in certain parts of the country. They're going to have some serious physical issues. So it's, it's weird because then when it comes to the media and what we're all absorbing, you know, Graham up in, you know, Canada, Who's reporting what and what bubble are we living in? And, you know, then my world, it's so it's a very complicated thing when you have the left versus the right. They think they're doing the right thing from their worldview. From again, what they're hearing. Yeah. yeah. When you shut down the conversation, mm-hmm. that's when we can never figure out. Most what's, definitely. Yeah, what's really going on with you? What's really going on with me? Well, obviously, their intentions are good. And that's the whole thing. Exactly. But, but I said enough. I, I want to come over to Darren Grimes. Obviously. Darren, Darren, look, you recently went and saw Jordan Peterson. And I had just been telling you about Dave Rubin, and then you send me a picture from up there, and there's Rubin on stage, and you're like, what are the chances of that? But So what was that like? What was the environment like there for you when you went and saw Jordan Peterson? That was good. Positive. No interruptions, no heckling, no nothing. It was very unrehearsed and from the hip. And it was you know basically, what? he told us not to be resentful, deceitful, or arrogant. And he talked about why that was a bad idea for about an hour. And he also, he, he specifically mentioned that, you know, it's not terrible. He's like, every once in a while, I get in a debate with some host of some show over something I don't really want to talk about. But he's like, I get an average of three or four people an hour every single day that tell me that I've made their life better. So he's like, it's pretty hard to compete with that. And he said, being honest in his answers, no matter what and how hard it will be and how much he thinks that'll be misconstrued or twisted by the media, it ends up being better if he's as honest as possible for every answer. And he he appreciated this, what we're doing here as an yeah, he un- mentioned unscripted, podcasting specifically and, is, and the type of podcast yeah. that we all do specifically is yeah. really interesting well and he has the number one selling book in canada right now possibly the world hmm. yeah i mean something i want to point out though is that like we were talking about with okay i can't speak to what sargon said although i know that that you know again taking at face value is something that's completely unacceptable and so we understand that situation but i have the question about why did sam harris react the way that he did I'll tell you why, because he wanted to get people off of Patreon. I mean, it was a perfect excuse. Not only do you get away with some, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not trying to say it as a negative thing. Sure. Um, but 
you know, it's sort of the ultimate little marketing campaign and you get off of a platform that's charging you 20 or 24% and you get onto one that's charging you 3%. And I mean, you know, if the guy's making 30 or 40 grand a month or whatever they're saying off of Patreon, your income just went up eight grand. And you've done it in an instance that, you know, if you just cancel your Patreon and say, I don't have Patreon anymore, maybe you don't get, maybe you only get 40 or 50% of people to come along to your new method. But if you're doing it for some sort of big thing, maybe you're approaching 80 or 90 because people can get behind that. And now you've gone from a, you know, like I say, a 20 to 24% fee to, Mm -hmm. uh, and I don't know if it stays away at Sam's level. Maybe it changes as you get higher, but I know what I see right now on Patreon is 20 to 25% off the top. And that's uh, pretty, pretty hefty. Well, and when Jordan Peterson and him are talking about starting a new platform, then you also got to consider the you know amount that they can make off that investment. Mm-hmm. Who Sam Harris is, but Sam Harris, I mean, he's already passed the platform thing because Sam Harris has credit card buttons on his site. So, I mean, like I've yeah, said a couple a, of times, is once you have credit card <laughs> buttons on your site and you're dealing directly with a bank you're they they can't shut you off they need a court order to shut you off because the banks have legislation paypal they don't they're not legislated by anybody neither is patreon neither is subscribe star neither is stripe none of these people are fucking legislated by anyone i mean like it or not the only people that are are the banks so if you i mean i don't know what it is in the states but it's like we have you know when i go to the big guys are starting to do it now only certain guys have it dave rubin for one has it you go to his site it's um strictly fucking his own processors now he might still have a paypal but he's definitely got an option that's just your credit card which is straight into the system and that's exactly what sam harris has done as well and that's i mean ultimately that's where you want to get to i think i mean what other sure jordan peterson might make something but again now i'm going to be subject to jordan peterson's terms of service well, or I'm going to be subject to the, the next guy's All fucking services. Get you to my website, and then you can donate directly into my bank account as long as I facilitate that. There's nothing wrong with doing a bank transfer between people. Exactly, and so. a bunch of people can't call the fucking TD Bank and say shut off Grimerica because they can't shut off Grimerica without talking to the government because the banks are legislated from shutting off bank accounts. And I don't even know how easy it is for the government to get involved there because you know you have the whole you know, shutting down political foes problems and things like that. So, you know, I don't think it's super easy to go shut down a business. You don't hear a lot of talk about companies getting shut, getting their bank accounts seized or shut down unless it's fairly serious. Well, think about this. If you can be like some large podcasts that have transitioned to, you know, from PayPal is almost 100% to 80% Stripe. Why couldn't instead of doing the Stripe link, it's just the link. It's not easy to get fucking bank approval. That's why. You need certain levels of certain things. Like not everyone who goes into the bank and says, I want to put credit card buttons on my website. They're not just like, yep, here you go. Yep, here you go. My understanding is it's a bit of a rigmarole to get those buttons. But I think once you get them, even if it's a higher percentage, like I say, I think those bank buttons are, are, I mean, someone might be able to write in and tell me I'm wrong, but as far as I know, once it's like backed by illegality or something, the banks are all backed by legislation. Right. Are there, that's what I mean. None of the online payment processes are backed by any legislation. I mean, PayPal is literally a fucking, you give us money and we'll hold on to it for you, hopefully. And then we'll give it back to you. There's no fucking legal binding in anything between you and PayPal. Oh, yeah. They take they your money a, and seize it. Good fucking luck. They gave luck us no reason why they could have held it for uh, six months. 
Well, you know, the thing is, is I'm sure there are, are certain legalities, but I mean, if nothing else, and, and maybe this is the libertarian in me, so I don't want to get into a, oh, you know, Micah ran, you know, drank the Ayn Rand Kool-Aid here and, and he's arguing libertarianism. But I mean, in, in effect, what would happen is if you have, if you have let's say there's a, a hypothetical um, financial institution online where all they do is they hold your money for you, like what you're talking about, and they may take a small amount off the top, right? And if there's nothing else that's enforcing them to have to give you your money back, apart from the fact that if they want to continue to do business, they can't have marks against their reputation online. So they know that they have to do the best that they can. For them to succeed with their business, and this is a hypothetical, that's all I'm saying, but they have to be able to do good work. And therefore, the enforcement comes from their expectation of being able to continue to do business, being predicated upon doing a good job. And therefore, they honor their commitments to people to be able to provide that service for them when and wherever the customer sees fit in accordance with the rules and guidelines they design for their interface, right? So in that sense, you kind of have a microcosm for a free market in which what propels it forward is trust, basically. And the problem is they get so big that they don't care. You know, I, I ran into this when I was doing uh, loss prevention. You break a big case, five, ten thousand dollars $10,000. Customers that were affected by it want to prosecute. You have the police have the person to want to prosecute. You got video, transaction reports, everything. But you contact the credit card company. No, we're not interested in getting involved. Boom, forget about it. They wipe it off their books. So I just stopped, you know, going and trying You stop reporting cases because <laughs> there's no reason to because they don't want to get involved when it's dealing with credit card. Same thing happens with PayPal. How you're so small, they shut you off. There's this glitch that affects a whole bunch of other people. Don't even have the courtesy to spend the time to exactly tell you why. They just send you generalized mails and then, boop, it's back on. What happened? Silence. Interesting. Well, again, you know, on a community basis, I would say that that's the difference between having a bank, and that's why I won't bank with national banking institutions. I always work with smaller regional banks or credit unions because then you have a, you have a part membership, you know, and, and therefore the interest rate's better and there are certain other amenities that are afforded you by yeah. virtue of your membership, right? Sure, I would agree with that 100%, but I just mean for online payment processing, it's probably going to turn out that those... I don't think those, credit unions can do that. I don't think... The, I doubt that the credit unions could do that. Maybe you could find certain ones that could, but I just think Some at the, the end of the day in Canada, they can't touch your bank account without a court order. Right. Yeah. So and I, PayPal, Patreon... Conversation. That was merely a hypothetical. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> None of these motherfuckers need a court order. They just decide one day. But you got to be careful. Don't disparage them. I'm not just, I love PayPal. That's in the, I fucking love, love PayPal. PayPal. Yeah. Don't be PayPal's taking out of context. That's in their terms of service, so be careful. I actually love PayPal, PayPal too, by the way, because PayPal, I've used them for years. In my opinion, they're the best service for this, this kind of a thing. And I'm not speaking ill of Patreon, but... Yeah, but you've never back, got an email from Patreon saying they're no, PayPal. For, from PayPal saying they're holding your money and shutting down your for account permanently. Yeah. And, you, and you can exactly. talk about it PayPal, in six months. And actually, in truth, I did have a situation where PayPal... Um, you know, where, where basically my account got hacked and I lost a bunch of money. And uh, initially, PayPal was going to refund it. And then there was an issue and they said that on further review, we're not going to. Wow. But it was easy for me to prove that, you know, I wasn't scamming them. And so I just wrote a rebuttal back to them. And uh, and then they refunded me the money and, and absolutely protected everything. And so I was taking, That's very, good. I was taking very good care of. So, I, I mean, I've always liked PayPal for that reason. People complain about that percentage off the top, but again, Darren, like you're talking about with Patreon, shit, it ain't 20 to 25%. Now, no doubt. <laughs> the reason I brought up that uh, in relation to um, 
Sam Harris, though, is because, again, if we can look at one person and their relationship with a issue and try and use that as some sort of a basis for, well, okay, if he thinks there's something weird going on here, let's ask some questions. I say the same thing about Jordan Peterson. Jordan Peterson is an individual who has become extremely polarizing in the media. If anything, I think he is unnecessarily polarizing at times, perhaps unintentionally so. But I think, again, he says things that often are very politically charged and are often taken out of context. And it's clear he meant something else, but people misconstrue what he said. And I'm like, Jordan, come on, you stepped in the hole again, man. You should you should see these black holes as they're coming up and be able to navigate these. You know, again, so I think although he is misrepresented, he could do a better job in terms of saying things that aren't so easily misrepresented. And that's one of the big arguments people have about Jordan Peterson. They're like, he's he seems to be fairly intentionally ambiguous at times. Uh, and then he kind of steers his arguments around those things. Now, that's neither here nor there. The person I want to use, again, in the last example, we use Sam Harris. Here I want to use Joe Rogan again. Joe Rogan, time and time again, when having Jordan Peterson on his show, Joe, who seems to be a guy who kind of is center-left, he refers to Jordan Peterson to his face as one of the most misrepresented commentators in America. And I agree with Joe, although I think there are reasons for it and they're pretty obvious. But again, what is it about somebody like Jordan Peterson that causes him to be so frequently misrepresented? Again, how could a guy who sits around saying, I am a classical British liberal who obviously has some interest in some things on the right, people call him a fascist, they call him far right, they call him alt right, they call him everything. And it's like, did you ever stop and ask him what he says he is? Mm -hmm. It's easy to label somebody, you know, just whenever somebody says something that you don't like, just label them alt right, label them a fascist. But that comes from something that comes from an engineering. It's the social engineering part that we haven't really discussed and the, the intention behind professor Ted, you've been socially engineered into a Nazi. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, here's the other thing too. Look, look at, look at, look at Dave Rubin. Dave Rubin had been formerly a progressive liberal now identifies as a classical liberal or traditional liberal but people, of course, on the left call him far right. It's, it's as though anything to the right of far left is too far right. <laughs> exactly. well, the infuriating exactly. thing that's going on is people aren't calling people out for the real things. All, look, plenty of stuff to, to complain about Jordan Peterson on, but the things that are brought up and the way things are edited are completely falsified. It's the same thing with Trump. There are so many asked and I'm like, why don't we talk about the real issues? Cause when you start talking about this BS, that's when I get angry and it's like, I don't want to be defending somebody I think is a terrible person and politician, but you're not attacking the right reasons. Be honest. And it flows over into Jordan Peterson and everything else. It's like, let's have an honest attack on this guy. And I've seen some, some out there and they're great. When you hear them nine times out of 10, it's like, that's just BS. What, What are you doing? So yeah, we've lost intellectual conversation somehow. Do you think, have you guys seen uh, Anna Kasparian, who, again, I don't completely dislike her or every point she's ever made, although I do, I don't know what it is about the Young Turks, but they kind of irk me. <laughs> no kidding. Uh, yeah, I know. Again, I you know me, I'm trying to be pretty fair and balanced about that, but I mean, I'm just speaking, maybe that's a visceral kind of statement, but the Young Turks have always just kind of irked me even when they're making valid points, maybe it's their attitude and the way that they say things. 
Um, again, Ruben. It could be the fact that they ultimately have an agenda. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, they even just like talk about it. Just like, you know, this is what we're up to. And by the way, here's the news. (laughs) Yeah. That may actually be a lot of it. And at times the agenda produces a sort of attitude on the mic. Because again, with, with, with. Fuck the Young Turks, by the way. (laughs) Yeah, here's a bowl of Cheerios that I pissed in. You can eat it too. Again, you know, they, uh, but you know, I, I can see, for instance, Anna, if she's on the Young Turks and it's just like, you know, their program will grate on my nerves, but then I'll see her sit down on the Joe Rogan experience. And if she's in the studio with Joe, it's hard. Yeah, that's it's, tough. Well, no, no, here's the thing it's hard to be in the studio with Joe and come across as abrasive. He has <laughs> that magic ability, Rogan does to calm everybody down, to make everybody feel good, to help them chill the fuck out like everybody really needs to do. Say what? Sorry, go ahead. Because you know he can kill you. (laughs) (laughs) Everybody's seen that kick on the bag? Uh, Calm down, okay. Yeah, right, yeah. They they, they know he can... Well, whatever whatever the case, again, Anna, you know, did, did you see her whole thing where she is just going off about Dave Rubin. No. Did you guys see that? Uh, it was no. a little while back, right? I, I don't watch any yeah. of their shit. No. Well, you know, again, I try to keep tabs on things like that just because, again, for me, I don't, I don't watch it for the purpose of gossip. Look what, who's said about yeah, this right. person. That's how you start your day, your young Turks fix. How you picture <laughs> yeah. it. They might have played it on yeah. like uh, no agenda or something. Maybe maybe that's how I heard it. They may have, or maybe yeah. you heard it on maybe you heard it on that little podcast called Middle Theory. Yeah, it might have been on that. <laughs> I, did, I did talk about it on there. Yeah. <laughs> right, here's, here's the thing though. Um the, the whole premise had been that they said this guy doesn't know anything about politics. Keep in mind that Ruben has a political science degree. Right. I, yeah. I think Hannah does too, by the way. Uh but she it was very obvious the first time she goes after him that she just, um, it, it's full emotion. She just goes completely full bore against him, but then comes back like a couple of weeks later and does a, a more kind of straight laced, hey, you know, some people have criticized me about some things I said about Dave Rubin. And, and then she kind of, you know, she lays it all out there a lot more convincingly. She actually constructs an argument rather yeah. than just accusing him of being funded by the Koch brothers. And uh, by the way, the whole that's Coke the brothers, one that was the one. Yeah, well, the, the Coke brothers thing. Yeah. Matt Oakley looks into that and everything. And apparently, a company funded by the Coke brothers, or had that had financial ties to the Coke brothers, also had been funding the the, the Rubin report. And I think right. it was something akin to like a libertarian think tank. I mean, I'm not surprised that a connection like that would would exist, but that does not necessarily mean that a Rubin is far right, B, that Ruben is a sellout, or C, that he is directly financed by the Koch brothers. Ruben, it's us. It's the Koch brothers. We've got some moolah for you, but here's what you got to do. You got to have Jordan Peterson on your program, okay? That's like anything left is funded by George Soros. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's like, it, I, I'm sorry, but I mean, that was one step away from being a conspiracy theory. And the reason I say one step away is because Kasparian was not wrong in the association being made. That association was no different from us saying that there is an association between the Washington Post and Jeff Bezos by virtue of ownership or the CIA by virtue of him having business dealings with them. You can't say that all those things are connected. You can merely say that we can make associations. And she was absolutely right in making that association. But 
The problem is, is that when you make that association, knowing that your viewership will thereby take it and weaponize it and go, oh my God, Dave Rubin, Coke Brothers, holy shit. And what's the inevitable interpretation of that, right? And so, again, so here's a guy who calls himself a classical liberal who has stepped away from progressivism for that kind of behavior and is constantly, you know, accused of being far right. So, once again, I can say it. I, I see a lot, of, and actually, Sam Harris, you might say the same thing about him. They see his criticism of Islam and religion in general, and many would try to paint him with the same brush. Sure. What the fuck is going on there? Who knows? I'm sure it's almost like the, uh, they're, they're trying to silence any kind of uh, outside of the box thinking or critical thinking or anything. They don't want it happening at all. Are we really so, so, so Anna Car, Car, whatever was bitching because uh, she says Dave Rubin's getting Coke Brothers money because the uh, uh, the Young Turks got a twenty million venture capital fucking injection by Jeffrey Katzenberg. Who is the Demo- Jeffrey Katzenberg. says the Democratic Party kingmaker on the Business Insider ah. website? Darren, come on. It's all in who the money comes from. And you know, if it comes from a Democrat, it's automatically good. That's right. <laughs> it's good money. Yeah. I'm not trying to pick on the Democrats. I mean, They're I've voted sellers. Democrats in past elections. I've also voted for Republicans in past elections. Yeah, actually. I've done both. It does, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think mm-hmm. any sensible person will vote. I'm not saying. Fuck that. Middle- you shouldn't be taking any money from fucking corporations, period. Not the Young Turks and not fucking Dave oh. Rubin. You fucked up. Okay. Say sorry. Good point, actually. Good point. Mm-hmm. Good point. And here's the other point. If you're going to accept funding from a corporation who accepts funding on political, which it's hard to find companies that don't, and there are a lot of reasons why, but again, if if the political ideologies are going to be a part of that, at very least, let's say this, if they've both done it, one shouldn't point the finger at the other and accuse them of doing that when they have in fact done the same thing on their side. That's what seems unfair to me. And this is politics, right? (laughs) I don't know. Christmas. Fuck, where did all the Christmas talk? No, but it, it, it does create a lot of hypocrisy, right? I mean, it's happening. You know, they're accusing all these people on that one side of, of something, and then they're ignoring all the evidence of the same thing happening on their side. I mean, we've never influenced an election. We've never taken out a leader. We've never done an assassination. I have that same. What about the racial? What about the racial? Adam, the exact same one. Hold on. What are you, what, what are you guys talking about? Tapestry. Tapestry behind them. Tapestry. Tapestry. Thank God. Adam, they want to know about the tapestry behind you, by the way. Where the I just said I have the behind? same one. Everybody asked me about this. I was watching the Twin Peaks return uh, when I was looking oh. for a backdrop. And so, I mean. <laughs> there it is. It is. <laughs> it's got a little of that. We have the same hey, one hanging hey. in our house. Yeah. Hey, Darren Grimes, why don't you put out our number? The number people can call. 828-398-4886. It's on the YouTubes. Call it up. It's right hey, on the YouTube page. That, you uh, that recent uh, Loch Ness monster sighting. There, there's a new what? Nessie picture. No, oh. there's not. Oh, <laughs> there is, man. Yeah. Man, we we talked about it last night. Are you yeah. kidding me? You guys yeah. still believe that tired old bullshit? Come on, oh, man. Hey. It's the hey, same man. one. It's the same one traveling through the underground caverns all over the world. It could be. <laughs> <laughs> it's just one goddamn dinosaur. Yeah. This is one dinosaur it's a family, family anyways. Yeah. It's just swimming, swimming through caves all the goddamn time, you know. <laughs> Into the Yogo Pogo. I love it. Whales migrate migrate all over the fucking world, Micah. 
You're going to call whales fake too? <laughs> I just saw this epic video of one of our buddies. We all know Jerry Cthulhu. He posted this this video. It was a breakdown of the secret space program. And it was, it, it's so goddamn good. And uh, I mean, it goes all over the place, but it breaks down to like how, um, whatever, a, a race came and took, when they came 65 million years ago and took the dinosaurs, they took a bunch of uh, raptors. And the raptors are the lizard people. So imagine 65 million years of evolution, but uh, as a dinosaur, it turns into a lizard person. So that's who you have as the lizard people. And, and yeah, so you'd have that. Then you have like the praying mantis type and and they're all going to war in space. And then you have the secrets. Those uh, those the, the select few of the secret space program. They got to fight them all. You need to send me that. Dude, it's so good. <laughs> that looks pretty good. That looks pretty good. The Desi picture. I mean, it's got the shadow and everything. All right. Fuck it. I'll go look. No, nah, that's got to be an old one. Is that a new one? It's got that like seventies grainy look to it. Nah, that's bullshit. Fake news. See if Darren thinks it's bullshit. You know how I'm gonna vote on it, right? Share screen. Yeah, we gotta get Grimstick to do that. There's there's one point in this video I was just talking about where where they get sucked in. He's out. They're in their their secret space program ship. This is back in the '60s, right? Like right after like uh, right when they formed the whole space program, but uh. So they're out in their then their nuclear powered uh, rocket ship, and then he gets sucked into like a time like a like a vortex and end up all the way across the galaxy, and then they're talking to a giant space like uh like lion that sings in in tongues. <laughs> it's the best fucking thing ever. I don't, it's so good. Okay, by the way, I'm looking at that picture of this thing. Uh, that re- man. There are all kinds of allegedly new photographs of the Loch Ness monster. That one's Quick always bait. It's all fucking. That one's what? What? What was he going to say, Michael? What are you going to say? Oh, I was just going to say. I mean, the the, uh, the whole Loch Ness thing has always perplexed me a little bit because there is such a lasting mythos around Loch Ness. And again, Jane mm-hmm. Goodall had said, "Oh, I don't think you know obviously that there's a Loch Ness monster, but she remains hopeful that there is a creature like Bigfoot." But most marine biologists would say that that a again this, this there are some qualifiers here, but they think that a large marine mammal or some other kind of animal, not necessarily a mammal, but that it would be a large marine animal animal if any large biota uh, you know still exists anywhere on our planet that it remains as yet undiscovered. Now the whole reason for that is because with the immensity, with the vastness of the oceans. If there's a large creature out there that has yet to be find, found, it would have to exist probably in the oceans. Loch Ness is a big lake, but it's nonetheless landlocked. It is a lake, and it's not exactly, in terms of the climate or anything else, a really habitable environment. It's pretty cool. It's very, I don't know, I mean, there would be probably a lot of food there because you've got sturgeon, you've got all kinds of fish, seals, mm-hmm. things like that. It's not impossible that an animal could live in Loch Ness, but the idea that one could live in Loch Ness exclusive to other parts of the world and it be something like one of these so-called you know sea monsters that you hear about which we've heard about for thousands of years and i think mm-hmm. it's fair to say thousands of years because if you go back to ancient times we have similar things like the so-called dragon on the ishtar gate and at least for the last several hundred years uh you know going back to the early christian uh stories you know saint columba 
who was a little further upriver from Loch Ness, but nonetheless claimed to have encountered a water monster or a Kelpie kind of creature there. Columba back in the, the early, what was it, four or five hundreds, maybe? Maybe it was a little later than that, but... 1492, Columbus sailed the ocean blue, bitch. Well, first of all, to hell with Columbus. 1504, Columbus sailed the ocean floor. Yeah. Well... Actually, I think he just died. I mean, yeah. So as far as the Loch Ness Monster, I don't know. I'm, I'm all in on sea serpents. I think, what do you think of that picture, though? I bet you are. <laughs> the picture, you know, it's like a lot of these pictures. I mean... <laughs> yeah, they're all blurry. <laughs> You can't make anything out. It's blurry. It looks pretty good, have. though. It does look pretty good. For, for yeah, a Loch Ness picture, it look, you got to admit, it looks pretty good. Is nobody for calling in? Let's picture, call somebody. It, it looks like a sock puppet, like <laughs> popping out of the water. It's, That's it's, a fair it's, assessment. It, it's with any cryptid, though. Like, all we have is blurry Blob pictures and a and ton of anecdotal evidence. Well, like, there's... I mean, so, so, is okay. James Cruz popping the picture up? He's doing a terrible job at it. Oh, Jesus <laughs> Christ. What the hell am I looking at here? Get that yeah, off James of there. You're going to get us a strike. Oh get that the fuck off That's, of there. No, no, it's no Cthulhu. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, it's an algo. It's an algo. Get it off of there. What does it matter? We're going to get algos. Really? Yeah. Is it any other YouTube video? Okay. I don't know. Do you want to take the chance? Okay, okay, okay. We got a call coming in, guys. 716, you're on with us live. What's going on? Hey, how's it going, guys? My my name's Mike from Buffalo. Hey, Mike from Buffalo. What's on your mind tonight, man? Mike K? Oh, not much. I uh, just called. Uh, I actually called you guys for the Fandango show last year, and uh, we talked about the Tree of Life, and you you actually had your Tree of Life shirt on that day. Ah, oh, yes, I did actually. I did indeed. Yeah. And by the way, uh, five hundred two, who's also calling in right now? Uh, all these wonderful callers who must have been sensing the little in the conversation. Conversation. <laughs> Uh, we will get back to 502 next, but Micah, while you, while we got you on, yeah, the um, I still have that shirt. I just am not wearing it tonight. I went with the all black tonight, guys. Right? You know, <laughs> like a oh, Yeti. I well, I, yeah, I just want to wish you guys happy holidays, and I've still been watching the you know the podcast. And uh, recently, I, I was I, I watched the uh, uh, Grimerica show had on Robert Bonomo. Uh, 21 Faces of God, God about the tarot cards. Oh, okay. Been watching that and, and learning a lot of new things. Cool. Well, yeah, he was a fun a lot guest. Of new things if you're watching Grimerica, right? Yeah, that's what I was going to oh, say. For sure, for sure. What, what is your guy, the guy's take on the tarot and and, uh, and Robert Bonomo? Uh, I, I enjoyed it. Yeah, it was a fun chat. And, uh, you know, my wife, I, I live in a household. The cards are getting pulled all the time. So, yeah, <laughs> he just sort of becomes commonplace. Cool. And it becomes undeniable. Grimstake reaches for his cards. I got a, I got a deck right next to me. <laughs> Pull a card right now. It's crazy. <laughs> My buttons just get pushed here. Grimstake, Grimstake and Micah look oh, yeah. like the same person, just hey, stretched Mike, out a little more. <laughs> Mike, I think we've got another call coming in, my man, but I want to wish you a Merry Christmas. We love you, Mike. Thanks, Mike. America does your support. Thank you for calling us, brother. And you, you have yourself a good night. Uh, 502, I think you. you've been trying to reach us for a while. Are you there? Have we got 502. you? 502. Where's the 502? You do now. Yeah. Oh, it's there Nikki the dude. It's working, yeah. Hey, yeah, sorry. Nikki the dude. Well, I, know, I, I, I think we missed you a couple of Did times. Did you just hang up on Nikki the dude? On the line. What, what's your name, by the way? Uh, Nikki the dude. Nikki the dude. Oh, <laughs> dude. What's up, Nikki? Here he is. Yeah. yeah. I think a few yeah, of us I, know who I, you are. How are everybody doing tonight? Welcome to the show, Nikki. I think Nikki was like the first ever person to email in. Seeing all y'all, Mike, I owe you a hug, man. I got the rest of them, but not you. So hey, 
Anytime. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, we need to make it happen. You should come up to the contact in the cabin. He already bought, he's already got tickets. Do you? Uh, I'm, I got reservations. Yeah. Well, there you yeah, go, guys. That's, that should seal the deal. Yeah. Now I can't. Now I can't deny it. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it'll be worth it, man. I'm. A, I've been to Pagosa Springs before, but Ooh. you know, not with Randall or anything. So it'll be enhanced so much. But uh, yes, that's a very beautiful part of the country to begin with, man. Oh yeah. I give you a give you a pro tip. Uh, you need to do some altitude training because. Uh, I know between me and you, Micah, uh, like 6,600 over at uh, uh, Clemens Dome, it'd be uh, the valleys are higher than that around that place. So, okay, now hold on. Yeah. You, you dropped some you dropped some Appalachian terminology there. So you mentioned Clemens Dome. I've been over that way. Where are you located? Yeah, I, I'm I'm in Kentucky right now, but uh, I I grew up a Tennessee boy. You know, I've heard some weird ass stories about Kentucky over the years, and the best one I ever heard was from a guy back in the 1980s. He said he was hiking near Cloud Splitter Rock. You ever been near there? In the Red River Gorge? Uh, I'm not. I'm not familiar with that one. No, sir. That's in the Red River Gorge Wilderness. But he said, Yeah, that he, I, I am familiar with that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And he he said in maybe 1985 yeah. or six, he's walking along, and there's a guy. He said, completely naked, covered in mud and what looked like moss and a long beard and long hair. And he said that the man was walking with a stooped gait. And he said, for all intents and purposes, it looked like a wild man. He said that this guy got about 30 yards away from him on the trail, looks up, sees him. He said it was about a a second before this guy darts off into the woods. And he said it was his own personal wild person encounter, which caused him to start looking into other reports of wild people in Kentucky. <laughs> They're definitely around. I'll, I'll, I'll give you that. You find wild That's my neighbor. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you talk about my neighbor like that, James Cruz? Hey, Nikki, Nikki, uh, Nikki, yeah. do you think we have to altitude train coming from Calgary? Or I guarantee you. <laughs> well, Nikki, just maybe. a coffee enema. Nikki, <laughs> yeah, Nikki. Maybe if we go ahead. Sorry. Do we have to altitude train coming from uh, Calgary? About 3,200 feet elevation? Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, uh, Silverton, I I bet you uh, Randall won't go there. It's an old mining town, and the town sits above uh, 10,000 feet. So, uh, yeah, I got the old stitch in the side from walking a block that I hadn't had in years Mm -hmm. when I was up there. So it was, yeah. It's a different experience. So three thousand feet is nothing. Yeah. Yeah. What is that? We are three thousand. Yeah. That all. Yeah. Yeah. Shit. It's great. Hey, I was listening to y'all's uh, uh, the first guy, the the hacker guy y'all were doing earlier tonight. Yep. Yeah. Uh, we lost Burt Reynolds this year, man. And uh, when he was in 1982, I was living in Texas, and Burt came on the Carson show. And he gave out an AT&T phone card and because he made a settlement with one like uh, the Inquirer, one of the uh, rags, and uh, uh, they would pay his phone bill for the month of December that year. Wow. Man, we used it for hours around <laughs> Christmas. That year. Oh, shit. I mean, it always went through. Uh, I'm old enough. I don't know if y'all remember credit cards that had like a number on it. You had to type in on a phone to... Uh, call long distance, you know. Yes, a analog, yeah. baby. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, all, but we used the fire out of it that year. It's cool, but you know, that's what I, that made me think of when Darren was talking about the urban legend hacking and stuff. 
uh, it was definitely, uh, I didn't see the thing, but I got the number uh, from someone. That's so, hilarious. Hey, that, you know, it worked out great. That's an interesting idea. Urban legend hacking? Yeah. <laughs> like, is that like the like the phone freaking when you used to be able to make the tones on yeah, a recorder? Yeah, that's what he's trying to, like he was trying to, they used to, they had Slenderman an urban legend that if you tap, 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 tap so many times, like instead of dialing, you could go tick, 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 and then tick, 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 and it would work. Oh, shit. Wow. Or there was something else with like the Oscar Mayer Wienermobile whistles, where if like you blew those into the phone, or there, there's something, something going on with like whistles. You're just sticking Oscar <laughs> Mayer Wieners all over the place. Yeah. <laughs> just blowing my dick whistle into this. M-E-Y-E-R. Nikki was our fifth subscriber. Oof. Yeah. Dude, man. Hey, man. Uh, I, I was uh, Money Bomb number two, if you remember. Who <laughs> Do you know that? That's a, I guess that might be a, a trivia question. It is a trivia, yeah. Money ball number one winner. Who won the iPad? Uh, yeah, I won the iPad, but <laughs> I also won a money bomb too. Yeah, man. I got a yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, they say I'm a subscriber, but I'm still in debt to these dudes. There you <laughs> go, man. There you go. Yeah. That's the kind of support you want right there, though. As somebody who's with you from day one, Nikki. It sounds like you've been around with these guys for quite a while. Dude, check- I actually just out. noticed the guy who was our actually our, our very first supporter is still a supporter too. Oh, that's good. And it wasn't Uncle Dave. Oh, really? I thought Uncle it was Uncle Dave. Dave. He's he going to be crushed. Don't no. say anything because actually, Dave I just was, said something. Dave was the first one. Dave was the first one-time donation thing. No, where's Dave? Is Dave out there too? Uncle Dave. Unless he sent you cash or something. Yeah, maybe. He's maybe, maybe he's. I think he sent cash in the mail or something. Thanks, man. Yeah, check this out. When we uh Grimsake and I we, we went we went to the Crypticon and uh Nikki was there. Oh. I'm talking about pimping the Grimerica brand, dude. He's walking around with a card and we're getting like everyone he's getting everybody there to sign and wish Graham and Darren, you know, like <laughs> good luck, da da da. Just pimping the Grimerica brand. It was it was the yep. best. Definitely. Yeah. That's awesome, dude. Nikki, this is the second time I met Nikki in, 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 a, in a couple months. <laughs> yeah. You weren't at CryptidCon the year before last, by chance, were you? I, I, I missed you, Mike. I, I, I was there on Saturday. I didn't make it back on Sunday. I was there I on was Saturday, work. too, man. We might. Oh, were you? Well, see, I don't know how, I don't know how uh, we missed you, you know. The, it was the mustache. You the wrong here. room, I guess. The mustache. You know? How's that? Yeah, that's crazy. So you and I might, we very well may have brushed elbow, uh, elbows. Could have, because I've been, you know, yeah, I tool around the merchandise, you know, I'll go listen to a talk and then, you know, you make the circuit around the merchandise place. Make the rounds. Talk to and stuff. Well, yeah. Yeah, James is nice with, so he's nice and covert about stuff, get, <laughs> get all the shots and stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Well, Nikki, I tell you what, next time we'll just have a special signal of it. 3.55 <laughs> local time. We will meet for shots. Kentucky bourbon, of course, right there in the hotel bar, all right? That way we'll make sure we don't miss each other. There's a new location this year for that, right? Smoking areas, man, around here. You can always meet at them. That's right. <laughs> That's where I catch these guys a lot. Well, the way that Grime America is going lately, I think it's looking like we're just going to be having our own events, you know, eventually. And so, yeah. That way we all get to meet each other because we know we're all going to be at the same place. And there's there's there certain there's certain merit to that hey. logic. <laughs> yeah, it uh, works pretty good. Yeah, uh, thing, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, we're spending money in Colorado and no small part of it is because of the way they treat uh cannabis. I think that's a 
something that, that, that's my own personal opinion. I'm not trying to put words in anybody's mouth. What in the fuck? Hey, Nikki, real I quick. Think there's few of us feel that way. I, I do shoot sure for cannabis-friendly locales. But the Bryce Canyon one, I don't know if we could pull it off, but we'll see. We do try to shoot for cannabis-friendly locations whenever possible. Yeah. Well, I think what, and, and Nikki, if I understand what you're talking about, you mean, I mean, we, we go ahead and we legalize it and you stimulate that economy in that state by making it something that people can legally purchase and thereby not only is the stigma removed, but people can go sure. and purchase it and therefore more people probably do and it actually benefits the economy, right? Yes, sir. Totally. I completely I'll agree. my free dollars to travel there, yeah. No right. doubt. I mean, I made that trek to Oregon. I mean, just a destination. It was amazing. I, I couldn't believe walking just in a bodega and just be like, yeah, I'll take a couple of those. And walk it, out. it was kind of like, yeah, it was ridiculous. Everybody was that Adam would walk up and here, look at this. Yeah. You know, everybody have their own little handful. Of Handfuls of shit. James Cruz is fucking greened out on the beach within like I 15 did, minutes. Yeah. Oh my. I, <laughs> we had two oh, motherfuckers no. greened out, one in the beach and one in the front seat of the van. Like, hey, bro, I got to take a knee. I got to take a knee on this beach fucking right knees now. Are oh, flying. You stared into the ocean for a half an hour. Oh, it was an epic time, dude. I had such a good time. I mean, I was just, I was, I was in the zone grim? the entire time. Grim's going to cry. Three days I was there for sure. <laughs> I had such a good time, though. Well, Old man Kelsey's ocean is large, man. No doubt. <laughs> well, you know, I, I had the pleasure of visiting Canada twice this year. And on one of those occasions, I found myself on an island where some folks had some delicious green substance. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it was, it was a, a changing, a spiritual experience for me. I'll say that. I'll say that. I ended up later climbing a mountain, and I ended up in a strange, windy town in search of a water beast. So it must have had quite an effect. <laughs> Sounds about right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It wasn't the Loch Ness Monster. I mean, though, sorry. It's an additive to, you know, especially the, the, the earthy soaking the surroundings, you know, like, um, I mean, there's something to it. I think I would, I would, I think everybody here would venture. You have cannabinoid Same. receptors throughout yeah. your body, in your skin, on your organs, everywhere. So to think that some people aren't going to have deficiencies or have different reactions, you know, it's the old, uh, you're made of drugs. These things you're ingesting are sure. just cheap the way your body interfaces some people get a runner's high they get cannabinoid drops some people get adrenaline you know there's all these natural chemicals you know there's dmt drops that happen in the brain that's highly psychedelic so what is all that you know these substances are just facilitating other realms of consciousness that we can do naturally but it's kind of like you know a, a cheat right and it seems to affect different people differently uh, like you're Kind of talking about there. By the well, way, it, it stops epilepsy in some people. Flat yeah, out stops man. epilepsy. So, are you are you talking specifically about um, stops annoyingness in some people? Too. I'm talking about <laughs> I'll talk about everything, but specifically marijuana. Now, you can take and go to like cluster headaches. There's some people that get severe cluster headaches unless they do mushrooms. Some people will uh, microdose, or some people do mushrooms every six months. Mm -hmm. Their cluster headaches go away forever. So you have somebody that goes through a debilitating problem that will take them out for days or weeks in excruciating pain. Uh, there was a great documentary on um, Drugs, Inc. on a guy who suffered from this. Mm -hmm. And so when you see that kind of transformation, you go, what's going on in society where you're going to make somebody suffer in that state from a substance whose LDL is so low that it has no effect, that people have spiritual 
events on and you know has all these especially now look at science you know there's yeah. all these benefits there's hey, no Nick, hold on the line by the way because we've got another call coming in from 206 so so stay on there if oh, you will fuck. I, I just want to make sure that we get <laughs> yeah i want to try and get to as many of these calls as we can 206 you're on the line nikki i think's on hold are you have we got you on oh by the way listen first time long time bitch on. yeah you may you may want to pot down the audio on the player in the background on youtube <sighs> typical <laughs> that'll help you hear us a little Turn better radio down so sorry 206 you're now you're now you're live with us how's it going first time long time hey, <laughs> what's your name and where are you calling from well this is cyrus cyrus <laughs> hey, there's another yeah. one yeah. that's not a first time or a long time that is <laughs> a friend just talking about him breeding out an event yeah cyrus what's on your mind my man what's going on he was the other guy who greened out. We've got both the green outs in the same. Being Santa's little helper. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You're like an elf. Cyrus. If you grow a beard, you could pull off Santa. Sorry, Darren. Go ahead there, buddy. If you grow a beard, you could pull off Santa. You could. Yeah, I know. I can't. I wish UPS would let me grow one. I'd be rocking that. What? UPS won't let you grow a beard? What the fuck? What no, in the you fuck? You only have a mustache, man. Uh, do, you, do you have green? Wait a sec. Wait a sec. Wait a sec. Wait a sec. Does that apply across? Hey, 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 does that, Cyrus, Cyrus, look. I, I, does I that rule wrong. apply across the board? <laughs> as much as I get for Christmas, I guess. I think it'd be okay, Mike. <laughs> Is that rule across the board, yeah, Cyrus? I was, I was torn apart when Adam shaved his beard at the. Uh, yes. Oh, right. I forgot about that. Whoa, I missed. Oh, yeah, I did miss that. And Cyrus, you'd been in touch with me about that. And I, like a fool, didn't come up there. Although I think I had had to go to Canada. <laughs> when yeah. America comes to America, the same weekends that they're here. You go I, there. Yeah. I'm always up in Canada giving a talk at some event. And so they're like, look, okay, fuck. We're going to do it for three weeks. And now you have no excuse. <laughs> so, yeah. Justin, you're looking good, dude. That beard, man. Uh, hey, thanks, bud. Oh, Justin's oh. here. Oh, my God. Yeah. Holy the other money ball. The 14 mind himself, Sir Just Justin Sellers. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> That's close enough. I like it. What's up? What's up, gentlemen? How we doing? How's it going, bud? We're just doing a Good podcast. You, Cyrus, you sound amazing, by the way. <laughs> wow. But it seems the later we go, the more people are getting involved. So this is... this. Uh, is I've actually cool. been here for like 40 minutes. You guys just couldn't stop talking. I couldn't get into it, guys. <laughs> we that sounds it. like a conversation. We, <laughs> we knew you were here. Definitely not PayPal now. Oh, uh, yeah. You guys saw that? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, Snake. Yo. Snake. What, oh, what's up? Snake. Snake. <laughs> what's up, Cyrus? Hey. Hey, what, what, what's up? The next contact, right? Uh, maybe. <laughs> maybe. God damn it! You did that to me last time, man. No, we're gonna make sure he's there. And I, and I called you out as a douchebag on your agenda too. So you need to fix that. Douchebag. Everybody here <laughs> in steak was at the cabin. So no pressure, steak. <laughs> yeah, no pressure. Yeah. Grim, did you really call him out as a douchebag on no agenda? Yeah, it was it was it was necessary. I, I threw in a donation and you know Cyrus he he just had it coming. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody's ever douchebagged me, but you know why? Because I have actually donated to no agenda. There you go. Yep. Douchebag uh, anyway. They won't they yeah, won't know. Yeah. <laughs> they won't realize so until it's too late. To get my money back on because apparently my uh 
my PayPal account's been locked off and I can't get on it. I can't talk to anybody about getting it turned back on. And I thought I was donating to Grimerica and I don't know. You support us on Patreon. Done it more than once, twice, three times. I have no fucking idea. I tried to log in and my account's locked off. You're not on, you're on Patreon. Oh, he's talking about his, yeah, he's talking about his, uh, it's, it's all that alt-right stuff you're spewing all day on Twitter. Yeah, they, you know, that's what it is. You're too alt-right. You do get a little out of hand. Stop on. trolling on Twitter, then they'd let you go. Yeah. <laughs> or just donate through Stripe. Let me see here. No, yeah, you're, oh yeah. No, you're, you're out. Stripe. Yeah. We have our chief economist looking at this right now for us, Simon. Yes. Stay on the line. <laughs> We're looking into it. We're looking into it as we speak. <laughs> this is America Tech Talk is this, on the Grayland Report. Is this the first episode out of the, the new studio? Hey, you haven't paid since March. No, we're still at Brody's. You son of a oh, you bitch. guys are looking okay. for a new studio too, huh? Yeah, oh, we, we got found one. We, we get, I get the they keys tomorrow. One. I'm thinking about moving too. Um, yeah, the bunker has been wonderful for me for years, but... <laughs> Let's just say that the cave mold creep has become cumbersome. <laughs> you should get those like yeah, uh, you should get those like wet well, wet I mean, look wipes for that. Behind me, I mean, it's like you know, it's really getting out of hand. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you remember my old Roswell papers? You know, the yeah, old- yeah, you had the whole yeah, yeah. Well, they're still there, but the black I was mold. Paint it black, but I just let it fill in. The black mold filled it over. <laughs> yeah, they've completely coated them. They're still right there, but yeah, yeah. that's what's going on. So, <laughs> so yeah, I got to get out of the cave. I'm, I'm, the bunker may turn into the. Uh, I don't know. I we'll have to come up with a new name. I haven't oh, got man. anything cool like an igloo. To broadcast from, so. silo, you could be like um, yeah, silo maybe, huh? As a shack, the, the Unabomber shack. Uh, you should be always like mobile, like you're like in a private jet. Like hey, Cyrus, Cyrus. Oh, oh hang yeah. on, no, you're good actually. Somebody from four four three was trying to call in. I was going to say, mm-hmm. and here's here's the thing: if you can hang on the line when we take one of those calls, it usually will just put you on hold, and you're welcome to call back in too. But if if we get a call here from that four four three number again, I'd like to try and get to those other calls but i just don't want to let go of you yeah 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 go ahead i had to kick my son off the xbox so i can turn youtube on the big <laughs> nice, <screen>. nice. <laughs> yeah that's right that's right you got to stream it live on the big screen priorities. you got your priorities right yeah so but if if we get that call again i'll let you know otherwise just hang with us and everything we always like to hear from you although again i think we do got to get you up there uh well you know you are going to contact in the, in the cabin right by hook or by crook. That's a bucket list thing for me. I got to talk to Randall face to face. Actually, uh, what you're saying is you're probably going to go, but only if Grimstake goes. Okay, I got mm. it. <laughs> just, just, for, yeah. just to clarify, it's contact yeah. at the cabin. Contact in the cabin is yeah. a completely different. You got to give a cash shot. It's like a completely different type of weekend. <laughs> they gave me $20. <laughs> yeah. we they paid there, $20 later pick. Yeah, I'm glad we cleared we that up. Come on, it didn't work out. It's too late to <laughs> donate it. I promise. Yeah, I, I promised them that you would show some skin. Well, Darren, Darren, are, are we going to actually be doing field cataclysmic geology school at contact at the cabin? Each, yeah, each, each, uh, each group is guaranteed at least one tour to site, doing research with Randall and learning. And guaranteed a presentation with Randall. There'll be a live podcast and there'll be a lot of fireside chatting. 
Well, look, if I and end up probably some there, higher side chat, you know, I can do some like we can do a bonfire seminar about the philo- philosophical, the etymological, and the historical concept of Atlantis. I mean, and I got to tell you, now Atlantis is a subject that a lot of us are interested in. Interesting, sense. yeah, yeah. But but I got to tell you, I mean, I've read that's everything all, from skeptical works by by L, you know, uh, uh, L. Sprague de Camp to uh, you know, I even bought Gavin. Uh, what's his name? Um, uh, Gavin Menzies' book. Uh, you know the guy who wrote the book about the Chinese explorers making it to the New World prior to uh, Columbus. Um, he wrote a book about Atlantis, and his whole premise is that the Santorini Island explosion was the basis of the idea. My contention is, and I actually tell you the truth, there's a book by Ian Driscoll that was co-authored by another fellow, which maybe I think comes closest to there being any kind of historicity to Atlantis, which is that. There were there was a cosmological origin myth in Egypt that people like Solon, the statesman from Greece who traveled to Egypt and who was referenced in Timaeus and Critias that Plato later wrote about. Again, I think that those were allegories. Everything Plato wrote was an allegory. Why the hell wouldn't those documents have been allegories too? But the interesting thing is, is that there is the mention of a historical individual, Solon, that's made in those in those uh, treatises by Plato, and so. The interesting thing is that there were later Platonic uh, scholars who followed in the footsteps of Plato, some of his students and some of his students' students, who actually advocated the idea that there may have been some basis in historical fact, whether or not that meant that there was a lost continent. In other words, that maybe Solon did travel to Egypt. Maybe he did speak to this ancient priest, Sonkis of Saïs, as we know him from the Timaeus document. And interestingly, when I was having dinner with Randall Carlson a couple of months ago, I said, what do you think about Songkis of Saïs? He says, no, who? But we get back to his house and Randall pulls open. He says, well, Michael, you asked me about Atlantis. And so he pulls up his big speech that he gives about that. And he's showing us the PowerPoint and everything. He's going into the Azores, the geology of the Azores, the idea that 12,000 some years ago, when the actual recession of the seawater as a result of the glaciation how much of the Azores would have been above ground, but also as a result of stress placed on the Mid-Atlantic Rift because of the accumulation of ice around the poles, that even more of this actual area, which is still above water today, the Azores Islands, which are owned by Portugal, even more of that would have been above the sea level at that time. And this, again, is an idea going all the way back to Ignatius Donnelly, who's mostly wrong about all of his Atlantis stuff. But anyway... Interestingly, we were talking about this with with Randall, and he says, by the way, Micah, hold on really quickly. What was the name of that priest again? <laughs> and I said it was Sankis of Saïs, and so he adds it to his document, and I thought, I now have the renown of being able to say <laughs> Yeah. I, I, it was like the baby who punches until he finally breaks off a little flake of the brick wall, but I was like, Randall Carlson updated one of his PowerPoint presentations because of something I said. <laughs> the point is, again, the idea that there's a historical component to all that may not have to do with a lost continent at all. It may have to do with a cosmological tradition that the Egyptians talked about, which maybe Solon was actually shown, and which uh, Eve uh, Raymond was the archaeologist who first talked about this in her book, The Origins of the, of the Egyptian Temple at, uh, what was the, at Edfu, was the temple, the temple at Edfu. So, but the problem is that that temple was built well after Plato wrote about Atlantis, if memory serves. So, the idea would be that if that is the case, 
the cosmological tradition represented at that temple may have existed for centuries, but was incorporated into a structure after Plato wrote about it, but that it had been something that Solon centuries before Plato wrote about it might have known about. That doesn't prove that there was a lost continent. All it says is that there might be a, an origin myth that the idea was at least based on and that Plato might have borrowed from. But anyway, might be something interesting to get into up there at the contact at the cabin. So you're coming then? <laughs> so long and thanks for all the things. Not so many words, yeah. <laughs> and I'd like to put out a request to anybody driving that uh, you bring a guitar, some musical instruments. Yeah. One of the funnest things we've had at a conference was sitting around in a lobby with Mike and a bunch of other people singing around a guitar with a couple of people jamming out. And I know Darren likes to play, you like to play, and that stuff doesn't go well on planes. So, so I got to say, we've got about $40 in super chats here. All to see, all, all to see to get a live shot of Graham's calves. He's resisting. <laughs> I thought maybe you guys could help me egg him on a little bit here. We got another one here. He's, he just sent another 20. He said, come on, Graham. I no, love you. No, I Hashtag no homo. Hey, Graham. I'll, I'll give you show all the of my scrolls if you show some calves. Scrolls. He's putting up the site. <laughs> You talk D and D. He's getting up. That's a breast shake. That's a breastplate. Oh my god. Session's all in, man. They saw it. Did nobody see it? Yes. You gotta do it again. No, how could they all see it in the chat not see it? <laughs> they have a different view. What? They have a different view. He's Brody switched the view. Yeah, the computer was on the right. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what go. I'm talking about. Uh-huh. Get the yeah. shout out of there. Oh, <laughs> is, is now a bad time to tell you that I don't have any scrolls in DD. <laughs> 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 you know, when he said the scrolls, this is what I thought we should play. This I is the, this is the fanfare. Here, here's the fanfare. This is this is when when anybody says they will give all their scrolls. This is what should play. Okay, right here. Yeah. <laughs> okay, there we go. <laughs> we had the new moon, dark sky, which All is right, great. What's up for you? <laughs> okay, okay. camping. It's okay, okay. Went back there for the night. Crystal clear. Darkest night. We had a request. Said, read that meditation. Did the singing bowl, and that shit starts happening. Pow, pow, pow. We started seeing flash bulbs. Streakers coming down. Grim them up. Grandma gets triggered when his name gets said. Oh, yeah, he hates that part. <laughs> Full name, fucking. <laughs> it's so funny because I'm just like, hey, could you say your whole name for me? He's like, Graham Dunlop. Maybe we'll ask him <laughs> to France. How they get my name? Fuck, guys, I almost hate to do this. Yeah, so we're we going to have to start <laughs> wrapping it up. Yeah, we got an interview in like eight minutes, oh. 10 minutes. Oh, you got oh, an interview I, tonight? Yeah. Wow. Okay, uh, I will give uh, a bonus uh, after Micah's done doing his fireside talk about Atlantis. I'll give a presentation on Sasquatch's genitalia. Cack done. Soul. Yeah. We're Boom. talking cack at cack. 
Yeah, I'll give a fireside chat about Sasquatches. I have some questions. Is he fluid? We'll find out. You have to come to CAC to find out, man. <laughs> All right. Well, you guys keep doing this, and we can we can go. Yeah, you guys can stay going. So we'll. Uh, it's we'll not see our Zoom, so you guys on. keep going. We'll release yeah. your version. Okay, that's that's. Well, are you going to come back after your interview? If you're still here, <laughs> no. <laughs> if you're still here, I'll be fucking impressed. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Who's who's running the stream? Yeah, the stream's going to die. That's what? that's what's going to happen. What stream? But right. uh, okay. we may as well just wrap it up, guys. Yeah. I agree. Yeah, I think yeah, we're I think at three so. hours. Yeah, yeah. We, we've nailed it. <laughs> well, I'm glad I got to join a smidge. Another successful. This well, is sorry, beautiful. How, have you guys got time for one more call, real quick? Yeah, absolutely. Real quick, let's let's just see two two oh six. Have I got you on the line there? It's a crazy ride. Right. Long time. Oh, it's Cyrus time again. <laughs> it's, hey, oh, it's Cyrus again. Cyrus, <laughs> are you, you dressed in green from your delivery outfit? <laughs> Pardon me. Are you? Do you get to dress in an elf outfit for your day job? It's required. I'm still in my. I'm still in my Browns. Yeah, you got Browns, eh? Jeez, they don't even. Are you the up. UPS? Are you kind of UPS driver that uh, wears shorts in the winter? <laughs> there is no winter in Seattle. My legs never get cold. Oh, okay. It is <laughs> not much on that side. Bunch of pansies over there. Yeah. Coasties. Hey, nah, <laughs> that's from an old uh, Bill Burr joke. My legs just don't get cold. <laughs> Cyrus, you know, you, you called back in at just the right time because apparently the Grimericans did exactly what I told them. Look, I've been trying for years to teach people how to be good podcasters. And I, I, I've taught these guys to be, no, I didn't teach them shit, but they're great podcasters on their own accord. But there's one rookie mistake you never make, guys. You never book another interview after <laughs> Fandango. We didn't try to, but Richard wouldn't take no for an answer. That's okay, man. Don't worry. I, you know, like I said, I love you either way. I had an interview earlier tonight myself, and uh oh, did we lose somebody? No, first time, yeah. long time left. Yeah, it's probably Cyrus. Oh no, no, Cyrus. Matter. I think no, Cyrus is still here. Cyrus, you still yeah, I'm here? Yeah, he's huh? yeah he's here. We lost somebody else. But, well, anyway, um, I think, I think our time is drawing nigh though, because they do have to go and do an interview. So we're all going to wrap up. Um, I just want to thank everybody who tuned in and listened tonight. I want to thank the Grimstake, James Cruz, Adam Loyal, 14 and mine himself, Justin Sellis, Graham and Grimes up there in the igloo. And of course, Cyrus and all the fine folks who've called into this program tonight. Everybody who's been a part of this wonderful little Fandango. It's a once a year kind of thing. One night, maybe I'm just going to get my head out of my ass and join these guys for D and D. It's something <laughs> nice you guys do that, right? Yeah, you don't, have, you don't have to do that. I'll have an epic recap for you. <laughs> it's a thing. Darren, Darren, Darren's like, you don't have to do that. Then next year, it'll be everybody. And before you cut it off, I'd like to give a shout out. Hey, Justin, I had uh, that big footprint that you made us all for the first contact at the cabin. I had it framed. Oh, I'm hell yeah. have to send you pictures. Hell yeah. Yeah, yeah no, sure. yeah, send me some pictures, bro. See, Mike, you should have gone to yeah. the first CAC, man. You could have got a cast. Hey, you I know what? I there's always there's always room for seconds, right? And so yeah. I'm going yeah. to try and make it. Well, I didn't have the first, but I'll be there for the second time around. Either way, you want to look at it. Now, look, guys, we have a tradition. We opened with the new Grimerica Christmas song, and I want to close out with a new Christmas tune. Well, actually, it's not a new one. It's an old one. This is one that was sent to us by the Jersey City Christmas All-Stars years ago. We play it every year. 
all fucked up on Christmas. You can't have a Fandango without some good music. So thanks to all you guys who have been here and celebrated the holidays with us. Thank you, Mike Hanks. Show up, Steve. That's right. <laughs> get, you guys, get you guys selves some shrooms. Pour another glass. Have something good to eat. Make sure you get plenty of liquids and keep your feet up. Come when you can, right? Merry Christmas. We love all of you guys. We'll see you next time. First time, long time. First time, <laughs> long time, baby. Cap 2019 at hdtravel.me. Now you want to be with the one you love. There's one thing I want you to know I'm sorry that I'm off of the Christmas All right Excellent, guys